Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on May the 9th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and bringing him back from his vacation, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we've played. We have an update on Persona 5's streaming and YouTube policy. Esports are going to become an Olympic sport. Steam makes a few more changes. We'll have our weekly community corner and our weekly Steam Discovery queue. And as always, timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. One take. See, that's the thing. I just have to, like, down myself and be like, I'm going to fuck this up, and then I get it perfect. By the way, high rage. At least it's uh, good that we're going to get on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just wondering, uh, was I supposed to start my recording by now? You were supposed to. Ah, damn. That's why we went through the whole sync and, and... Countdown to record. Also, oh, that's that why jazz. I hit that red button. Yeah, that's why you should have hit that red button. Oh, I missed you. <laughs> I missed doing this. I mean, in some ways, I did have a nice little break. Uh, and in other ways, I just was like, God, I'm so tired and want this to be over and things to be back to normal. So. And now you're thinking, God, I'm so tired. I want uh, this to be over. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I've had two cups of coffee. I'm on my third right now. So. Hopefully the the caffeine guides me guides me through. Oh, you are so screwed. Yeah, I didn't take my nap like I intended to, um, but my recording I, I had a, a little bit lazier day than originally planned. I did record with the chemist earlier, uh, our second episode. Yeah, cheating on straight as a pretzel. Well, we, I mean, we talk about gay stuff, although that's not very different than what I talk about here. But I have someone else to talk about gay stuff. Why shouldn't you be happy? Indeed, I should be very happy. But I did that. I had a couple of cancellations today, so I wound up sitting at home for a little longer than I thought I was going to. So I'm doing okay. I'll be fine. It's all going to be fine. Nothing to see here. Move along. But there is plenty to listen to here, so just uh, keep your, your ear holes plugged with our the sounds of our talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was eloquent. That was terrible. Terrible. Although that's that's no better than usual, so or no worse no, than no, usual. No, no, no. I'm going to disagree. I say that is probably a bit worse than usual. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I always have a couple of really stupid, horribly worded things to say every episode, so it's fine. Yeah, Let's but you usually at now. least get one of those uh, out of the way in the intro. But eh. I decided to hang on to it. <laughs> and people are wondering why the hell are we listening to this still? Because you love us. I hope. I love you. Even if you don't love me. By the way, tonight's podcast is brought to you by I'm Feeling Lucky on Google Play Music, currently playing Hoobastank. So. Well, if we're sharing what uh, we're listening to, I have old-time rock and roll uh, on Pandora going. <laughs> the, a playlist or the song, old-time rock and roll? Okay. I, I won't sing it. I'll, I'll ruin it. And it's an excellent classic rock song. Uh, yeah, you already that... kind of ruined an Eagles song already. <laughs> yeah. There's no real good way to segue from this to games. So do you just want to go talk about the games that we played? Well, occasionally we do talk about games. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and we've got a pretty big list, especially me. 
Uh, so yeah, I kind of took a week off of pretty much everything. It, well, I had some medical stuff pop up again. So, and I have uh, medical stuff coming up in a couple weeks. So goody. Uh, hopefully it shouldn't impact the show. Well, I mean, if we have to run some more Franken content, we've got two more episodes. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, or we could just, uh, yeah, get together uh, at a different time and start talking about Life is Strange again, because I'm sure you uh, still have stuff to talk about there as well. I've tweeted about it two or three times in the past week. I'm still thinking about that game. So good. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> I keep listening not- to the soundtrack at, at, at the clinic, too. Like, people are walking in to my office, and they're like, you're listening to that again? I'm like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> you don't understand. You haven't played the game, Adrian. I'm not as hung up on it as you, I guess. I do like the soundtrack to it, though. Yeah. Especially because, like I said, or like we both said, we usually don't go for that kind of music, but so yeah, good. Yeah, I'm just going to have to send you uh, the Bastion soundtrack, I guess. I, I mean, I like the Bastion soundtrack as well. Uh, just try to give your poor co-workers a reprieve. <laughs> Please, anything but that. Uh, I didn't think a therapist was supposed to be driving people absolutely batshit insane, but eh, there you go. Are you kidding? That's like the first thing in the job description. It's like, fuck with people, help them. It's one and two right there. So that's what uh, Lucy was doing. She never got to step two. Yeah, Lucy was just real bad at getting to step two. <laughs> uh, I love how Charlie we tried Brown. to go to video games, and then we wound up talking about Charlie Brown and music. Yeah, so uh, how about an absolutely ancient game that I didn't care for? Sure. Uh, the Sunday Sampler for me. Uh, like I said, I took a week off, so only one in the last couple of weeks. Da Blob. Or Diblob. Diblob. This is a recent port of a Wii game from, I guess, about eight years now, eight or nine. Yeah, there's been a uh, resurgence of just these old Wii titles, I guess. Their exclusivity uh, contracts are running out with Nintendo, so they're coming out on PC. That The Blob is one of those, but there's been quite a few of these lately. And I have to say, this definitely isn't a game for me. I think you would absolutely and love playing this, especially, yeah, with your kid. Yeah. Because it's very colorful. There's a lot of uh, little silly humor in it. But the thing is that I'm a big gameplay guy, and it bored me to tears. Uh, there's essentially two modes in this game. It's uh, technically, I would call it a 3D platformer, even though there's not really a lot of platforming on this. It's more of a 3D painter where you're running around collecting different colors and painting, uh, building certain colors. And there's a lot of little mini games that you have to complete in each level to build up your points to unlock the gate to get to the next section of the level. And eventually you hit a certain level or you hit a certain cap for the level and that unlocks the end of the level and you're able to leave. And you have a time limit to do this. And as you do each of the little mini activities, it guarantees you bonus time. And also, as you paint sections of the map, you also get bonus time as you uh, essentially liberate the people that have had all the color uh, sucked out of their lives, literally, by the Ink Corporation. As they declare a war on color, and boy, this 
would not float in today's political environment. <laughs> no, it would not. Uh, it looks I, super cute. I think you're it, absolutely it, right that I would enjoy playing this with, with King. Yeah, it just it's one of those games that it's just not for me. And the thing, uh, mostly because it is extremely repetitive. Granted, I only got to the third level of it, and each level, well, there's sets of levels. There's the main level that is a essentially your traditional 3D platformer kind of pseudo open world level. And then there's two sub levels to it that if you get a high enough score on the main level, you unlock. And they're essentially a speed platforming uh, level. And I didn't like either version of it. <laughs> the speed platforming, it relies on uh, painting certain buildings, certain colors, and a, a very, 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 very tight uh, time frame. Uh, something on the order of, I think the longest one I ran into was three, four minutes long. But the thing is that the camera absolutely sucks in this game. It is definitely not made for... Well, really even gamepad. I tried it with a uh, uh, mouse and keyboard, just thinking, okay, maybe the camera would be better on that. No, it was actually worse. <laughs> it acted like it was emulating a joystick. So if I moved the mouse, it was moving in pretty much the same way that it was with my uh, DualShock controller. I wonder if it would work if you could rig up a Wiimote to it, because Wiimotes uh, maybe. connect via Bluetooth. And then I Maybe think that's what some... I was thinking, uh, because uh, there's uh, certain uh, segments of it that it's definitely they're trying to translate the waggle controls of a Wii into button presses, and it just doesn't work. Uh, whenever you take over landmarks, which are uh, high-value targets on the map, and in order to do that, you have to have a certain number of paint points. And to get the paint points, you essentially have to capture these uh, little bots that have uh, colored paint in them. And uh, you also are able to mix the color. So if you're yellow and you pick up a blue, you turn green. And then if you uh, pick up, uh, you know, if you pick up red while you're green, you turn brown because you know you butted all the colors together. Right. Uh, but uh, as you pick up each one of these, you also pick up a certain number of paint points along with it. And as you paint the environment, you're depleting those paint points. And if you try to paint a landmark. You have to have a certain number of paint points and also the particular color that you need. And then you have to press the button. Uh, a lot of times. Um, look, if it requires 30 uh, paint points, you have to press uh, X or, or A or whatever it was. I can't remember which. 30 times. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. It's basically, you know, the waggle controls uh, only a button. Yeah. Which makes it even worse. But getting back to the speed platforming, uh, because the camera is so uh, sluggish, it, granted, you are able to speed up the camera a fair bit. And if you spend enough time with it, I think you can dial it into a point where it's actually decent. But uh, the platforming itself, you, okay, well, most 3D platformers these days, they have a wall jump. I think that's pretty much a standard move these days. Yeah. And this... You are so sticky whenever you uh, wall jump. You, you chuckled there. Uh, did no, I say was, something funny? No, that was a little bit did, of a did cough. Did I amuse you? Yes, you always amuse me. But no, that was a little okay. bit of a cough. I tried to hold it in, but it snuck out. All right, carry on then. 
Oh, wait, I'm talking. I was going to say, you're talking. You carry on. <laughs> well, uh, because you're so sticky, and you have to essentially uh, steer the camera and uh, uh, the left uh, uh, thumbstick in the proper way in order to do a proper wall jump. But because the camera is so weird and floaty, and there, and there is supposed to be a way to send the camera behind you, but I would be damned if I could get it to work. Because I kept saying, press the right stick. Press the right stick. The camera did absolutely nothing. But uh, because of how the interaction between the left and right stick uh, works in this game, it made it so that I kept jumping in a completely different direction than what I wanted to. Assuming that uh, the blob would even jump off the wall. It, it, half the time, it would just kind of splatter onto the wall and just kind of slowly slide down. Looked like somebody threw a jello mold at a wall and just watch it you know, slowly slide down. Yeah, that sounds mildly fun. I found it extremely frustrating just because you had such a tight time limit on the speed running, for lack of a better term. And uh, a lot of the levels were set up that if you missed a jump, you go back a significant, if not the complete level, and start uh, platforming again. Thankfully... Usually, those levels also have it so that you're no longer uh, a particular color. It washes off your paint. So you're not uh, repainting the entire level. You just have to continue, you know, get back to where you were, but it's still extremely frustrating. And the open world section was just extremely repetitive. There was, uh, well, the open world uh, or 3D, uh, traditional 3D platformer sections, it took me about 20, 25 minutes to get through each one. And that's not even uh, doing uh, completionist. That's just you know getting to the point where I have it uh, where I could unlock a couple of the speed runs, which requires a, a certain number of points above the threshold to unlock the end gate. Well, in order to get those, you have to uh, do pretty much all the little mini challenges. And one of them uh, had sent me back to the same block of buildings. And paint, okay, paint all these buildings red. All right, painted them all red. Uh, unlocked the challenge, got my uh, bonus uh, points. Uh, another one opened up uh, a little bit down the road and it sent me back to the same block that I just completed and said, okay, paint this button, uh, this uh, building, this building, this building, this building yellow. All right, fine. Then I had a third one send me back and paint uh, different buildings green. So, yeah, it feels like it's not made my demographic. I think you'd uh, love it with King. But for me, it just made me hate life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so how about uh, we talk about something else? All right. Carry on. Uh, well, uh, the Humble Bundle, uh, well, uh, I shouldn't say there was a new Humble Bundle because there's constantly a new Humble Bundle these days. But there was another uh, positive bundle where it was a bunch of games that were rated very highly. And I got the low tier of it, and I actually sent you one of the spare games out of it. Uh, but I played some of Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings, which sounds like a horrible, horrible title, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. It's not exactly interesting to me at all. Well, I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for sports games, and there's not a lot of really good sports games on PC. There's some all right, then you get, uh, yeah, a few of the really good ones like Rocket League. But for baseball, there's not a lot out there in general. And as a matter of fact, EA just announced that 
oh, look, it's another year where all the major sports games, uh, they're not coming to PC because fuck you. But yeah. Super Mega Baseball uh, is essentially, think of it as the NBA Jam of baseball. Not quite as extreme as NBA Jam was, but it's uh, very arcadey, but, and it's easy to pick up, but it still has a depth, depth to it. That you're able to find a challenge in it. And there's a couple of systems in it that I really like. There's a system, well, the difficulty system, they call it Ego. And it goes from uh, 1 to 100. And split up into pitching, batting, base running, and fielding. And you're able to independently uh, adjust these to uh, make the game you know, as difficult or as easy as you want. And as you... Uh, level these up, well, I shouldn't say level, but raise these up, it changes the game somewhat. It makes it so that, uh, for, for batting, for example, at level one, it's essentially, you press uh, A as soon as uh, the ball is in the uh, uh, over the plate, and, you're, and you hit it. Uh, bringing it up to about 40, which is where I'm playing at right now, you still have to time the ball naturally. I mean, that's you know, a basic thing in baseball. But it's coming down to more prediction. It's still uh, aiming somewhat uh, where the uh, pitch is, but it requires a lot more uh, of uh, prediction to figure out where the pitch is to be able to contact it uh, well. And uh, as you uh, continue up in the ego uh, levels, it makes it so that uh, the assists uh, for the game uh, slowly come off more and more. And according to the... uh, Forms it is exceptionally difficult once you uh, start getting to the about the seventies. All the training wheels come off, and the game uh, stops holding back. <laughs> okay. And the other thing that I really like is uh, the system in it called Mojo. It's essentially okay. the pressure system in the game, where uh, in baseball there's a, the game could get very streaky, where. Uh, a, a, a pitcher gets rattled and uh, starts uh, behaving poorly or performing poorly, I should say. Well, depending on the pitcher, behave poorly may uh, also work. And it makes it so that uh, it's a lot easier to hit off them. If uh, a batter is doing particularly well, uh, they'll get on a hot streak or a cold streak if they're do- doing poorly. And that's what the mojo system is up in this game. It only comes into play when it's a high pressure situation. Uh, and the higher the pressure, uh, the more the mojo of the player comes into play. If your uh, mojo is high, it raises your stats. If it's low, it lowers your stats. So if it's two outs, uh, bottom of the ninth, and uh, your team is behind, that's a high-pressure situation for the batter. And uh, a, a low-pressure situation if you're the pitcher, uh, if you have the lead. So it'd make it so that the batter, it's a lot tougher for them to perform, assuming that they haven't done well uh, previously in the game. And it's an interesting way of showing, of, of, of having it where it's a lot more realistic, where it has that pressure, but it doesn't feel so arbitrary. Because it's, uh, yes, I realize that it's an arbitrary stat that it's uh, adjusting things about a certain amount, but it feels more natural, which actually was a little bit shocking in what's really an arcade game. Okay. And also the fact that uh, it, it's one of those weird things that it 
they actually allow female players in a baseball game. Oh, that's nice. Granted, it, it's you know, literally just cosmetic. You know, it, it changes no stats whatsoever. But the first time I was playing uh, with my team and I had a woman step up to the play, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I think because the only I, other I, baseball I, game I've ever seen that does that is the Wii Sports Baseball games. Oh, well, this is very reminiscent of the old backyard baseball. Granted, it's not as crazy as backyard baseball was, at least if I recall correctly. There's no... Well, uh, I guess a good way uh, to put it is uh, the Mario uh, sports games where, you know, you have where there's no way that you're able to uh, really predict a a power move unless you have spent ages and ages uh, playing the game. You know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, uh, Trying to think of a good example. Uh, Mario Tennis, I think, had it where... uh, you had to pretty much know the power move to be able to try to counter it. But there's nothing like that in this. It's actually a really nice mixture between simulation and arcade. Okay. There's no, you know, uh, throwing the perfect pitch and it burrows into the ground until it pops up right in front of the plate and, you know, goes through the strike zone. Nothing like that. Okay. It, I've really been enjoying it, though. Uh, it's uh, playing a medium length se- season, which is uh, I think thirty some games, and I'm about halfway through it. And each team, uh, they have it set up where each team has their particular strengths and, we- and weaknesses, and well, you know, just like real life, because you know, certain teams are set up to have all power hitters, or certain teams that are set up that are more defensive oriented. And it's, uh, I'm definitely seeing, you know, which teams are definitely better than others. Granted, I'm still kind of dialing in the difficulty system to where I'm at. But I've been enjoying it. It's been a really good pickup for a buck. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. It looks okay, but just I'm not. They like do I have said, a second one uh, coming out that uh, is, it doesn't have a quite as uh, goofy of an art style. It's a little bit more realistic. Granted, it's still. Looks like it could be on a Wii or Wii U, but it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit more on the realistic side, but hopefully they have it where it still has the same gameplay because that's what I really like about this is that, uh, a lot of baseball games, it's either over the top arcade action or it's, you know, super uh, simulation. There's not a lot of in-between, and this feels a really good mixture of the in-between. Okay. Cool. What else you got? Alright, uh, my last one is I picked up Besiege again, uh, played it a little bit, well, yesterday evening. And it's been a while since I played this, and they've added a lot to the game. I originally picked it up when it uh, first released on uh, Early Access. And back then, it, you know, just had a handful of weapons and one set of levels. But now they've had it where there's, I would say, three times as many weapons. There's rockets. There's uh, remote mines. There's, <laughs> it's a lot easier to build proper catapults now. And uh, another thing is that uh, they're releasing multiplayer before too long, which is a little surprising. I wasn't expecting that in Besiege. Nice. Yeah, I think I was in the same boat as you were, because I got besieged a while back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I picked it up for like five bucks or something. Yeah. yeah when and, it first released. For those who I, don't know, Besiege is essential. At its heart, it's a vehicle uh, puzzle game where 
you're given, you're put in a level and told, okay, kill all the knights or destroy all the buildings or, you know, do whatever. And you have to build a vehicle, uh, a, a, sort of like how Kerbal does, where it's a bunch of uh, little blocks. And uh, you build a vehicle to perform that task. I, I don't think I'm out of place at calling it kind of a puzzle game. No, no, it is a sort of a puzzle game. Um, but yeah, I think we were both in the same boat because we got it early on and then we both refunded it, right? I did. No. Oh, uh, you? I, I still own it. Okay. I How played do you think for... I played it? <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe you bought it again. It's no, still no, not uh, very expensive. No, the uh, only game that I refunded in early access was the uh, that... Uh, uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on the name of it. The uh, space game. Because I kept having stations drop out of orbit. Right. Okay. And it wasn't uh, that big a discount either, so... And they were talking about how it wasn't going to you know, in, uh, increase in price, so you know, I just refunded it. But uh, Besiege, it, it, it's one of those games that I think if uh, it's a very uh, love it or hate it game, because I think there's a lot of people that uh, look at it and just you know, kind of write it off, particularly because of the art style, because it's set up so it looks like miniatures, uh, little models. But uh, in particularly how all the uh, characters move, and uh, with the death of field especially, which I just absolutely love its art style. But it's one of those games that I think a lot of people write off because of that art style, and it's a lot deeper than what a lot of people want to give it credit. Even now, it's uh, still barely in early access. I, I think it only has two sets of levels, maybe three out of a uh, planned five or six. So I guess that puts it about halfway through, but they're also doing uh, uh, the multiplayer. They uh, redid the engine to uh, Uni 5 so they could have the 64-bit uh, operating uh, system on it, uh, like Kerbal did, only it, you know, it took them a, a fraction of time. <laughs> yeah. they. I, I have always got the sense that Besiege was inspired pretty heavily by Kerbal. Uh, and that they uh, just perhaps, learn faster uh, from KSP's mistakes. Uh, I do definitely get a Kerbo feel, especially with uh, just how the vehicle building is, because it definitely feels uh, like the uh, building a uh, rocket uh, in Kerbal Space Program, just the way everything snaps together. Yeah. And there's only a few more explosions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but I do think that it's, it still has a ways to go until they do a full release. I, I want to see how they do multiplayer. Hell, I want to see how Kerbal does multiplayer, assuming that they ever release that. Do you think that would be a DLC? What? Uh, the... Kerbal uh, Space Program multiplayer. I don't know. We've had several conversations over the last couple of years on multiple yep. forums about that. And multiple podcasts. Yeah. I think so. I think eventually it will be. But they've still got a ways to get there, I think. I mean, I could be wrong. Been wrong before, but... Uh, but not a lot to talk about on Besiege, mostly because I didn't spend that much time with it, but also, it's still very much in early access. But it's one of those games that it feels like they're doing early access well. Uh, if uh, if they said, okay, this is a, in a released uh, or, yeah, did a little bit of bug fixing because there's still a few uh, little dickling things uh, here and there. But yeah. if they said, okay, this is it. This is the final version. I wouldn't feel too bad about uh, my money. And it's one of those games that is done uh, really well. 
and the fact that they have a workshop uh, <laughs> already going in with, let's see, uh, according to the workshop, 110,000 items. That's a few items. Everything from uh, just part bods to full uh, levels. It's actually quite amazing, just uh, the workshop in this. There's an uh, ATST walker. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, I really, really like Prestige. It's one of those games that I'm looking forward to seeing the f- proper release. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be good as de- it continues to to be developed. Well, yeah, it, better. Yeah, they, better. Yeah, when was the last update for this? Uh, the last update was April 7th. So not so, too far ago. Yeah. Uh, right out a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, they do better on updates than a lot of early access games. Yeah. Uh, that will remain nameless, except for DayZ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, DayZ does a decent enough job. <laughs> uh, I guess it's time for you to talk about your games. Yeah, I think I'll take a turn now. Uh, so I have a rather lengthy list, although... A- couple of these games, a few of these games, are going to go by really fast. Um, Hang on, let me get my cart. <laughs> uh, so first up on, on the list uh, is Naval Ops Commander, which I've talked about a few times before. Um, at, well, I should say I did quite a bit of emulating because I just moved, and for a while I didn't have internet in the office, uh, and I didn't want to, like... I didn't want to... I've got the stuff to... I've got, like, a USB... Uh, wireless network card um, or network adapter, but I didn't want to get all that out and plug it in and make sure it works because it's kind of finicky. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do some emulation stuff. So Naval Ops Commander, I've talked about that before. This is a PlayStation 2 game where that you are the <laughs> captain of a Navy vessel and you've got three ships that you command and they follow you around on your missions. It's got a big... It, it's a Japanese game. So it's got a big score attack component to it, and you're encouraged to, well, not encouraged, you're forced to grind out missions in order to get enough money to get research points and new ships and stuff. And unlock all the anime girls? Uh, no anime girls in this one. You have to play Last the, me. you have to play the, the Warship Gunner series <sighs> to get the anime girls. Ah. Commander was... Actually, I could think of at least two or three anime that is, uh... Yeah, the personification of a warship or personification of... Well, hell, you played the uh, uh, visual novel of that. Yeah. And I got the review copy of that game when they released the duty patch. Oh yeah. Um, but anyways, I mean, the reason that I go to this game is over and over again is I love... It's the only game that I've ever seen... Uh, well, this series in general. The only games I've ever seen that have a really in-depth designing... Uh, aspect of the game where you get to create your own ships um and so i'll just spend a lot of time in the design lab making different ship types and this game has got like it starts out in world war ii and goes to like future sci-fi craziness so you can get uh lasers and ships with big drills and saw blades on them and like all kinds of stuff but i'm still in like the i'd say i'm in like the mid 20th century like the 1950s 1960s technology i've got some basic ship to ship missiles and the the very first jet aircraft and things like that i'm only 
like a third of the way through the campaign. So, I mean, I'm going to keep playing it. Naval Ops Commander is the game that I go back to time and time again. I play through it usually once a year or so. And uh, I'm going to well, keep if, playing through it. Since you love designing ships, granted it's spaceships and not uh, warships, I'm going to suggest uh, check out Starship Corporation. I already own that game. Yeah, well, I uh, check to see if you own it. I'm ahead of you there. Fun game. Actually, I played uh, the alpha, so I'm ahead of you. Wah, wah. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say about Naval's Commander. I've talked about it a whole bunch in depth, and I'm not going to go over everything again. Uh, the next game I played, another emulated title, Front Mission 4. Uh, I've also talked about this game in a podcast previous, although I think it was like 30 episodes ago. Uh, so it's been a while. Front Mission 4 is a turn-based strategy game where that you, uh, it's, it's a mech combat turn-based strategy game. And again, big design aspect, you get to build the mechs pretty much from the ground up, choose different leg styles and weapons and etc. Um, it's got a really interesting and, uh, fairly decent, uh, campaign, uh, story campaign. I mean, there's no multiplayer component or anything to it, but... The story is actually pretty well thought out. Um, the design aspects of the max are fun, and I, I like all the characters. Uh, it's a very long campaign, though, uh, and it also being a Japanese game from the early 2000s is very big on wanting you to grind out extra missions and bonuses and challenges and stuff to get enough money to have the top-of-the-line stuff for missions, so it takes a while to get through that game as well. I only played like two or three hours of Front Mission 4, um, so I'm in like the, I don't know, fourth or fifth story mission. Uh, so breeze through that one. Uh, Gran Turismo four. I hadn't played Gran Turismo game in a while. <coughs> uh, I played, I started a new career and I've got like three or four cars now, but I don't even drive. Like this is another really good, like podcasting and eating game. Like if I'm hungry and I want to play a game, and listen to a podcast and eat all at the same time, I'll follow fire up Gran Turismo four. Because I just play B-Spec mode, which is where that you are like a, a race team manager, and you don't drive. You just give general directions to your driver and manage the cars and stuff. Stop my fucking f- up. Pretty much. Um, pretty much. <coughs> B-Spec mode is, was introduced in Gran Turismo 4, so it's pretty basic. Um, it's got nothing on Gran Turismo 5 or 6's B-Spec modes, but still, I mean, the, the, the general bit that i like is is there you know just being playing the manager instead of the race car driver so uh but yeah, i think the last time i played a gran turismo game was gran turismo 2 i think yeah oh it's been ages only thing i could really remember about gran turismo is so many licenses yes oh my god thankfully b-spec mode lets you skip the licensing you imagine have to uh to try to Get your driver licensed and watch him fail over and over and over again. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah, I got my start in racing games with Gran Turismo 2. Like, simulator racing games. Uh, and then I went back and played Gran Turismo 1, and then Gran Turismo 3. Maybe I got Gran turned Turismo off from, uh, from hard simulators because I had a friend that uh, he, he would uh, win a race, and every time he would just barrel through the track and basically pinball off of walls. Yeah, you could do that in Gran Turismo 1 and 2, but 3 put a stop to that, because if you drove 
into things too much or drove off of the track too much, you would uh, either your car would actually crash or you would incur speed penalties for things like that. So they put a stop yeah, to that. Uh, d- does Gran Turismo still not have a damage model? Um, later Gran Turismo's do, but it's really minor. Like Gran Turismo Four has got a damage model, but it's super minor. Like if you smack into a wall at like a hundred miles an hour, you'll crack your windshield. <gasps> the blasphemy. Yeah, Gran Turismo Five has got a bit more of one. You can see some damage on your car, uh, and your cars get dirty during races. Um. I think Gran Turismo Six has got a more fully realized damage model, something more along the right along along the lines with the Forza damage model, but nothing like Grid. Grid probably has the best damage model of a racing game I've ever seen. I mean, you could fuck your cars up. In grid. Um. Uh. Well, you could always go uh, through the extreme and uh, Beam, uh, Beam NG, I believe it is. I've actually never played Beam. I've uh, never played... Well, I played the tech demo of that. It is amazing. It's on Steam. Uh, there's BeamMG, and then there's... Uh, well, Wreckfest as well, or back when they were calling it a uh, new car game. Yeah. Or next I, car game. I played it back when it was next car game. I had a an alpha access to that back when I was writing reviews for Left Stick Down. Yeah, the... the j- just the damage modeling on uh, beam ng drive is astounding it's all soft body uh modeling on the uh, on the car body and it looks like you actually mangled your car yeah yeah it's pretty good pretty good and when i say oh, pretty good i mean it. like really good yeah i'm looking at it right now like that's really good Granted, I think that it's still pretty much just a sandbox game there's not a lot of uh, racing in it yeah. And I'm not sure if they ever plan on uh, going full racing because it looks like they uh, called a vehicle simulator over a racing game, but still, uh, that's the best I could think of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, nothing really extra to add about Gran Turismo 4. It's just relaxing. I probably will never finish that game. Uh, so that's pretty much that's most of the stuff that we're gonna blow past next on my list is factorio uh hang on i've got my cards oh (laughs) i'm gonna start playing solitaire i was gonna say i thought you were gonna i I was expecting like a shuffle sound or something there you you go go. um but so yeah i finally got around to playing the 0.15 update i'm on 0.156 um i think 0.157 just came out but i'm not swapping versions a uh, lot of changes. A lot of changes. Most of them good. A couple of them that I find frustrating, but I think that they're the kind of changes that it's like some people might like and some people won't. Uh, I don't feel like anything that they did make the game objectively worse. Uh, I think it's a lot of it is a symptom of I've played this game for 250 hours this way and now it's this other way, and I've just got to kind of get used to it again. Um, so couple of big changes right off the top they've done quite a few things to change the visual styling of the game um everything it's i'm not exactly sure if this is what it is but it feels like they've upped the contrast on a lot of the colors and the menus and things so it's easier to read stuff it's easier to uh, particularly if you're on a, a low resolution monitor or something um or lower resolution uh you can just everything is a lot more clear, easier to read. Um, 
I, I think it's a combination of uh, bolder fonts and then uh, brighter contrast or better contrast on all of the images and things. They've done a lot of a lot of redesigns on quite a few of the uh, items in the game, like the um, the boilers look and and actually function differently than before. They've made some really positive changes in terms of like stack sizes for items, and they have it's it's not a I guess an overhaul would be the best way to say it. They've overhauled the entire fluid system in the game. Uh, and it's much better. All of the pipes can now carry more of everything. Um, all of your various fuels and um, water and stuff. All the pipes and all of the um, uh, the tanks, the holding tanks, can hold much more. Um, now you produce steam instead of just relying on hot water, which uh, you can store steam in tanks so that you can... It's It's a lot more difficult to run out of power. For example, um, like if you rely on steam, uh, steam engines or uh, now steam turbines, which I'll get to in a minute when I talk about the um, nuclear power, but you can store steam in tanks so that it's much more difficult to run out if you start pulling too much from your power grid. Because before, if you start pulling a lot of power from your grid and you don't have sort of an overabundance of production, hot water production you would very quickly run out of power because all of your steam engines would use all of your hot water and you couldn't produce enough to make, to make up for it. Uh, but now, since you can store steam in tanks, that's a lot more difficult to do. Not impossible, but more difficult. Um, they've changed a lot with the combat system uh, in terms of like what weapons look like and do and their power levels. Um, they've balanced out guns a bit more, so the pistol and the machine gun don't drop off so quickly in effectiveness. I mean, you still want to replace them with better weapons, but they'll, they'll last you a bit longer now. Uh, they've added a lot of new start conditions. Um, they've added, like, I, I guess you could call them scenarios, but uh, it's like... The one that I picked was called Rail Start, and you get oversized... Um, resource deposits but they're really spread out uh to encourage or demand rail travel and the aliens never respawn so if once you kill them they don't expand and, and grow new bases so that your train network doesn't wind up getting overrun by aliens because you can't protect the whole thing all the time so that's pretty nice uh, and there's a bunch of different ones um and there's now options to make enemies harder you can by default adjust things um a lot more in a lot finer detail like alien spawn rates and pollution growth levels and stuff like that so that you can really customize the difficulty to your liking um there's also options to increase the research difficulty which basically just means that they need more stuff everything needs more more types and larger amounts of, of resource or research products to create or to research um which I guess I could talk about it now. The research system in the game has overgone or gone through a huge overhaul. There's now, before there were four types of research. Now there's seven, um, and they've changed up the recipes for everything after green science. So red and green science are still the same, but blue and purple science are completely different. And then now you have gray science and gold science. Gray science is military research, and then gold science is like what used to be what purple science was like your top of the line 
science. And then you also get science, uh, white science, from launching rockets into space. And you use that on their new sort of like treadmill game mechanic to keep you going. Uh, there's one research tree that like goes to infinity. and just requires more and more and more resources, resources to advance. And it basically just increases all of your uh, production efficiencies by like 1% every time you research it. Uh, there's a lot of new research as well, not just the nuclear power related stuff. There's more upgrades for things like your tank and your car and for trains so that, particularly for the tank and the car, they, they don't become completely outclassed by power armor in the late game. They're still useful for more than just clearing trees. Uh, and then trains can get speed upgrades and um, braking upgrades and power upgrades so that you can use more cars and things like that. Uh, there's now specifically tanker cars so that you don't have to rely on that stupid barrel loading and unloading system to transport oil and other liquids around. Uh, you can just load them up into a tanker car. And then nuclear power. Nuclear power is freaking awesome, but God, is it hard to get to. I basically barreled down the tech tree to get nuclear power, and I was having to learn a few of the new game mechanics that I went, which probably cost me some time, but it still took me like six hours to get to nuclear power. <clears throat> um, I think I could probably get that down to four with my play style once I know how, or once I've got a, a good handle on all how everything works, but man, it's expensive to research nuclear power. But uh, nuclear power is is the shit. Um, it's amazing. I love it. And I'm never going to use any other kind of power ever again. Like solar power is, is stupid by comparison. Uh, <coughs> nuclear power is super efficient. Uh, produces a ton of energy. And it's difficult to get set up. It's expensive to research. And then you have to re uh, mine. Um, do they just call it Uranium. Or is it nuclear material? Something. It's uranium ore. That's it, uranium ore. You have to mine uranium ore. And you have to <laughs> break it down into U-235 and U-238. Uh, and then you have to create fuel cells. And then feed those into your um, nuclear reactor. And you have to use heat exchangers to heat up water and, and create um, high-pressure steam, which powers the, the new steam turbines which are something like four no they're eight times more efficient <laughs> than steam engines um and way 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 more space efficient efficient than solar panels so it's a bit expensive to get set up but once you get it going it's well worth it and then you can get um they're called neighbor bonuses but basically <laughs> you just build a, a larger nuclear reactor by combining multiple smaller reactors uh and it, they become much more efficient um, they, uh, your first, like putting two nuclear reactors together into, uh, one larger nuclear reactor, uh, gives you a hundred percent efficiency bonus, uh, to your heat production, but does not increase your fuel usage. And that kind of tapers off as you add more and more together. Uh, I think six is where that you get no more bonuses for building larger nuclear reactors, but yeah, nuclear power where it's at. I mean, that's the future, both in Factorio and in the real world, at least in my opinion. But uh, that's that's really all I'm going to say about Factorio. I tried to condense it down as far as possible. Number one, I have not got anywhere close to the end game yet. And number two, I didn't want Rage to kill over. So I'm uh, I'm done with Factorio for now, Rage. I think, I think he died. Black Nerve.
Okay. Well, while he finishes his game of solitaire, I've got more games oh, to talk about. Yeah. So uh, next game on my list is a game called Wheelie. And Wheelie is a little kid's puzzle game. Uh, you play Wheelie, uh, a car, and you go on adventures. I remember him in uh, Portal 2. Was Wheelie in Portal 2? Oh, that was Wheatley. Oh, Wheatley. Okay. There there actually is like some Portal stuff, like Portal reminiscent stuff that happens on one of Wheelie, uh, Wheelie's adventures. So I was didn't know if if you were serious or not. Um but anyways, yeah, it's just a little kid's puzzle game. Um super easy for me, but I play it with King. And so, uh, I mean, they're very age appropriate for a 3 to 4 year old. And we have a good time. He's like, "Wheelie. Oh no, Wheelie crashed." Oh no, Wheelie's burning. He's in hell. We Wheelie can die some gruesome deaths if you really think about it. Like a kid, you know, my kid's like, "Haha, Wheelie's on fire." And I'm like, "No, Wheelie's on fire. That's terrifying. He's burning to death." He can oh, fall only, into uh, It's only terrifying if he starts screaming. He falls into acid and melts and he can get eaten by like a dinosaur. Cuz one of Wheelie's adventures he travels through time. Uh, I mean, it's just a fun little kids game. There's nothing really special about it. I mean, I would never recommend this to anybody unless you specifically were going to play it with your kid. Um, or you're stoned out of your gourd. It might be okay if you're if you're stoned out of your fucking mind. Uh, but I mean, I would never just play this. But it's a fun time with my kid. It's good. It's it's totally safe for kids. Uh, and then next on my list, I almost completely forgot about these games that I played them. So that tells you how good they are. Uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And I'm saying them together because they're basically the same game. I mean, they really are. I played them back-to-back. I actually had a client uh, that I saw last week. I was filling in for another another therapist. And it's really, really hard to jump in midstream after a client's been seeing someone for a while. Uh, so I get to his house, and we're talking. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm actually I'm having a really good week. I was like, cool. Well, I've got to be here for 40 more minutes for this account. And he was like... Uh, you want to play Call of Duty? And I was like, yes, I do. I do want to play Call of Duty and get paid to do so. So I didn't know you were seeing Kyle. <laughs> but I had I had to see him three times that week, and that was the first day. So I, I basically played Call of Duty Advanced and Infinite Warfare for three days at this client's house. And, I mean, they really are the same game. I, the campaign stuff, I'm sure, is different. I just played multiplayer on both games. But, I mean, it's Call of Duty. Uh Advanced Warfare and Infinite Warfare are trying to copy some of the things from, uh, what was the other shooter game where you've got the robot? Titanfall. Titanfall. They're trying to copy some of the stuff from Titanfall. Uh, you've got movement gear and like a little jet pack and you can grapple walls and run along them and that sort of stuff. Uh, but this system is not as good as Titanfall, despite the fact that Advanced Warfare came out a couple years after Titanfall and infinite warfare another year after that um the weapons are still very clearly like oh this is future ak-47 this is future m16 like that sort of thing and they've got a few sci-fi weapons but honestly those weapons are the stupidest weapons in the game um and then both games are extremely exploitable like these kids also were- known as being call of duty yeah uh, like the the kid was like, yeah, I spent twenty dollars on on packs yesterday. I didn't get anything good out of them. I guess I'm gonna have to buy some more next week when I get my allowance. I'm like, what? I'm like, you're 15, dude. Just sit here and play the game. You'll unlock all that stuff eventually. 
He's like, well, yeah, but I want to buy more packs. I just, I just, uh, I tried to teach him the ways, but unfortunately, he was just too young to understand. Oh, and this is why AAA gaming is not for me anymore. It seems. Yeah, it's not for me either. I have Advanced Warfare. I never opened it. Like I've had it for a year, year and a half. I think I got it for Christmas last year. Um, and I never opened it. And I got home and I was like, you know what? I I've only played this game for a couple of hours. Maybe I should play it for a little bit more. So I got it out. I put it in my Xbox. Spent eight years waiting on all the updates to download and everything. Wouldn't played it, and it's not any better <laughs> when I'm playing it on my bigger TV on my couch. And also, well, so, I'm sure like, the uh, the next Call of Duty where they're going back to World War II will be completely different. Yeah, like I like I said before, look, I'm it's ex- look, it's the past version of <laughs> the M2. I'm I'm excited about the premise of doing that because I think it would be refreshing to have these games go back and not be about sci-fi stuff. Like we yeah, have besides, enough sci-fi it's shooters, been but... at least. How many years since we had a major AAA title, Storm the Beaches of Normandy? It's been like six minutes, I think. Uh, well, uh, before we started recording, I came up with the idea of uh, how to uh, change this up. All right? Instead of Operation Overlord, Operation Mincemeat. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not joking. Is there an actual Operation Mincemeat? Operation Mincemeat was the misinformation campaign that the British uh, uh, performed to cover up for D-Day. Oh, interesting. Do that Uh, in Call of Duty. The actual uh, planned campaign. So instead of storming the beaches of Normandy... If I recall correctly, it was Greece. It was was a complete misdirection to pull all of Hitler's forces away from, uh, uh, well, Normandy. And it worked. Yeah. But uh, can you imagine uh, a World War II game uh, going through Greece? That would be fun. That would be different, uh, for sure. And the Eastern, uh, well, uh, the Eastern European uh, without it being the Russians. (laughs) Yeah, I'm... I'm But, you know, just alternate history of, of some of the possible battles. And not do it like Battlefield 1, where it's still... Well, this looks like it's going to be World War One, but it's just a skin, and it still plays like it's a goddamn World War Two game. Yeah, I uh, I'd actually love to see a World War Two game that explores some things other than just Normandy, the Eastern Front. Uh, well, I understand why Normandy and. Uh, all uh, Normandy uh, Operation Market Garden and uh, all the traditional maps are there. It's because those are the big set pieces. That is the big battle. Uh, Operation D-Day is the first thing that I think a good chunk of of people think of when they think of a World War II battle. Yeah, but World War II was... And the fact that I said Operation Mincemeat and you thought I was joking. I just, I never heard of it. I mean, and I'm that's actually surprising to me because I'm a big history buff, particularly World War One and World War Two. Like I found fact, if I recall correctly, uh it was kicked off they dropped the body of a homeless man with fake credentials in the, the Mediterranean and uh let him float around for a while uh to uh, essentially, you know, 
acted like, you know, he fell off a ship or something and he was carrying classified or classified sarcasm quotes uh, information. Yeah. You are correct. I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up for Operation Mincemeat. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see a World War II game that focused on some of the other aspects of the war that weren't the big set pieces because there was battles all over. There was a ton of stuff that happened. But I can't hear you uh, fighting in Operation Market Garden. Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to Call of Duty Advanced and Infinite Warfare. Just the last thing that I want to say. I forgot how bad it was to play a shooter game with a controller. It has been years me, <laughs> since I've played a first-person shooter with a controller. Uh, and it's real bad. I'm still decent at it. I mean, like, this kid, I felt so bad for this kid. Like, he was so bad at games. He was like, I, I told him, you know, I was like, yeah, I play games it, a was lot. Was this but... the same one that was buying all the packs? Because yeah. that's probably the only way that he could get these guns? Yeah, yeah. It, I, You know, I told him, I was like, you know, I'm mostly a PC gamer. I haven't played on controller in a while. Uh, I'm sorry if I play badly and drag the team down. And I was, like, getting double or triple this kid's score. And he was like, I thought you said you were bad. And I said, no. I said, it's been a while since I've played. I guess I just haven't forgotten as much as I thought I had. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, dude, you just really suck. Okay, like, I have real to bad. Ask, uh, since uh, we're not getting names, what was he doing? Uh, he was... He would not... Like, he wouldn't slow down. He was your typical, like, I'm going to run around and sprint at full speed and never look at anything, and I'm never going to aim, and I'm only going to pick, like, the shotguns, and I'm going to oh, rage boy. and blame everyone else for my, all my yes. problems. And I ba- I mean, I just, like, went through, and I was like, okay, this guy looks I love like... I you just ignored that one. <laughs> what? What did I miss? You said rage, and I said yes. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, I mean, I just grabbed a couple... Like, I spent the first match, like, just trying out all the different classes that... Custom classes that he had, like... And tweaking a couple things. And try of things. to find uh, the least terrible one. Yeah. Yeah, and basically I just, like, got a rifle. I don't know what it was. It's future M16 or whatever. And I just would, would take my time, not sprint everywhere, check corners and things like that, and, you know, just take it a little bit slower. And I got way more kills than this guy. So, in other words, he was doing the All of Duty equivalent of get ball, want ball. Pretty much, yeah. He he sprinted everywhere, jetpacked everywhere, wall ran everywhere, didn't stop, just go go go. We played gun game, which is uh, uh, you start off with a decent gun, and every time you get a kill, you change to a different gun. And I think the last kill, at least the the Counter Strike version of it, you have to get a melee kill. Um, it's similar to that. Uh, you start off with a pretty good gun and you you kind of go through like a set of like you go through first you go through like several rifles then you get several shotguns and then smgs and then sniper rifles and then you get to the special weapons and the final weapon you have to get a kill with is the uh the crossbow and it's like one of the most difficult weapons to actually get a kill with yeah because you're playing uh, on a console and you can't aim for beans yeah auto also auto aim i forgot uh, all about auto aim as a thing that's terrible that really fucked oh, me up. Oh, trust me. Uh, whenever I hit a game that has auto-aim on it, it always screws me up. Yep. And, uh, unless it, unless the game is specifically designed to uh, completely fuck me over without it. Yep. And subpar frame rates. God, it's terrible. I'm so, I'm so spoiled by a constant, buttery smooth 60-plus FPS. It's really hard to play a game that doesn't get 60 FPS. 
The master race, my friend. Indeed. My Fuhrer! But, so yeah, those were the two Call of Duty games. I mean, they were interchangeable. I couldn't, I could not tell you what the difference is between the two games. Uh, 60 bucks. Maybe if I played them a lot more, I could find some differences. And I'd say the campaign is where the biggest differences are. Um, but I'm actually, well, I guess I shouldn't say I'm shocked that uh, there's uh, enough of a uh, community still on uh, two different Call of Duty games. Because on PC, they pretty much immediately migrate to the newest one. I mean, we've talked uh, about this also, before, uh, but... It's you... also a lot smaller of a uh, group here, because, yeah, there's more games that you can play. Yeah, Hell, if, if, if I wanted to play a Call of Duty game uh, outside of the one that I own... Thanks, Kyle. Uh, it would, uh, I'd fire up Dirty Bomb. Yeah. Oh, oh, I do have to say that the zombies mode in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is actually pretty good. The The carnival is fun, just because, I mean, it's a carnival. I'm just not a fan of horde shooters like that. Yeah, The I only mean, one that I really enjoyed playing was Monday Night Combat, but that was mostly because... Well, one, you had different classes that brought a lot of different stuff to the table instead of just, you know, pick up, okay, I'll, I'll get the shotgun instead of uh, the rifle, and, you know, it, otherwise the characters are pretty much, uh, uh, you know, indistinguishable. But also, uh, Monday Night Combat had some external stuff that you could do, but it wasn't technically zombies, it was all robots, and you had to protect a point instead of just surviving. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's everything I have to say about the the two Call of Duty games for for realties this time. I mean, they're all right, but they're they're actually that's not true. They're really not. They're super bland <laughs> and generic. They'd probably be all right on PC, where that they would at least run at sixty FPS and you could use a mouse. Um, but otherwise, they're just Call of Duty game. I'm really glad I didn't buy Infinite Warfare because I was looking forward to it. You. Uh, podcast listeners with good memories i was pretty excited about infinite warfare because i was really glad to see uh call of duty do something different but no they just did something else the same honestly it sounds like uh if you wanted call of duty infinite warfare go get titanfall pretty much yeah titanfall did it better plus it has robots oh yeah giant mech robots infinite warfare has a spaceship though man that's gotta count for something right spaceship I'll give it one-tenth of one point. Well, that is something. Um, On a hundred-point scale. I, it's still something. It's a little something, but it's still something. little something-something? little something-something. All right. Are we ready to move on to our first topic? First news topic? I think so. Okie dokie. Uh, Persona 5 responds to all of the criticism and updates there. Uh, YouTube and streaming policy. Yeah, this is a couple weeks old. There's not a lot of recent news going on outside of one of our topics, mostly because I think a lot of people are gearing up for E3, which is the beginning of next month. So uh, there's, I, I think we're going to hit a bit of a lull and just news in general, unless you know some stupidity happens. Well, well, there is the whole net neutrality thing that definitely we something we need to talk about before too long. Yeah, maybe next week. Should, yeah, uh, that story that is still developing. Yeah, well, uh, well, considering uh, the FCC site uh, was completely DDoSed by people. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say uh, John though. John like, Oliver. Yeah, I guess I guess that would be a DDoS. Te- uh, uh, it's technically, technically correct. It's a DDoS. Yeah, which is the best form of correct. Oh yeah, 
But uh, so yeah, I mean, the they just responded. Atlas just responded um, and says, "Hey, yeah, they did we- extend uh, the uh, 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 the deadline or the I guess the due date or wh- whatever uh, the end game date uh, back a few months." But the thing is that it's still uh, about halfway through the game. But uh, here's the thing: is that they were saying that we weren't threatening bullshit. Yeah, they, they were threatening t- copyright strikes. That is a fucking threat, you dumb motherfuckers. Yeah, they're using this to backpedal that statement. It like, was never our intention to threaten people with copyright strikes. Then don't put it in your goddamn press releases. Yeah, then don't say that we're threatening you with copyright strikes. I mean, here's the thing, is that it's not... And unless you're uh, the president, these uh, copyright uh, these uh, press releases... Go through a fair number of people. <laughs> so they are scrutinized. It's not something that is just thrown out there willy-nilly. And this was a damn threat. And they were backpedaling hard. Uh, but the thing is that, you know, there's still the threat there. Because, yeah, they're saying, well, you shouldn't uh, stream or uh, post videos beyond uh, a certain date. Otherwise, we may come after you. Well, th- this just pisses me off and uh, makes me... Kind of glad that I don't have a console, so I'm, uh, you know, the temptation is even there to play this uh, game. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I tried playing Persona 4, and I just couldn't get through the intro. Oh, Yeah, I've played... Which Persona game have I played? Two? I, I or played, three? I, I played like two or three hours of the intro of Persona 4, and I was still on the... Very, very uh, linear visual novel segments. Oh, come on. I realize this is a JRPG, but uh, there's games out... There's AAA games out there that are shorter than the intro of this game. Yeah, I'm looking to see which was the last Persona game on PS2. Because that's the one that I've played. It was the Pretty last... Pretty sure that's 4, because uh, they went... Or maybe... No, no, it is 4, because I was playing it on the PS2 emulator. Okay, I thought Persona 4 was on PS3, but... No, there, uh, there's technically a PS3 emulator, but it's not very stable yet. Okay. Yeah, then I've played Persona 4 a bit, but honestly, I don't remember anything about the game. Like, that's how... I didn't finish it, and I played it for, I don't know, 15, 20 hours, and then I just stopped because I lost interest. I played probably about two or three hours, and I was still in the intro. Yeah, the intro lasts for a long time. Uh, it, this just it. This just shows you just how out of touch this company is, though. Saying that, well, we weren't meaning to threaten people. Yeah, we just said that we were going to go after you with copyright strikes. We we're going to unleash the power of the DMCA on you. Hooray, DMCA! Oh. And when I say hooray, I mean fuck DMCA. Yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, we knew it was going to be a short topic, but we talked about the first part. Figured we just wanted the angry pants on after a couple weeks of uh, being away. Yeah, I always like them angry pants. Oh my! Yeah, this may be a short episode, just in general. We'll, we'll see. That's okay. You guys got an extra like hour and fifteen or twenty minutes last time. I mean, granted, it was all about life is strange, but. You could have played two episodes of Life is Strange in the time that it took us to talk about the whole game. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have played Life is Strange. <laughs> but speaking of playing about video games... 
Yeah. Right. Uh, esports uh, will become an Olympic sport in 2022, which is, that's the Winter Olympics. And that's something I didn't realize at first. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's still a little, str- it's a little strange just in general to think of uh, Olympic sport esports. Great. This article doesn't really talk about what games in general. Uh, they they did state uh, FIFA 17 would be one of the competitions alongside MOBA and RTS games. Which FIFA 17 that has an esports scene. Yeah, it does actually. The FIFA games have had an esports scene for a while. Uh, I guess that's more of a European and Asian thing because in North America FIFA is nothing. But I imagine that it's well, it's absolutely huge in other uh, markets. FIFA's pretty big here in North America, too. I mean, it's definitely not as large as, say, Madden, but it's got a pretty strong presence. I know quite a few people, actually, who love FIFA. Katie's one of them. Like, FIFA's one of the only games that Katie plays. But, I mean, she's a huge fan of football. Uh, She played college, in college and in high school. So, she's got an actual connection. She's pretty, pretty decent, too. I mean, my... Like, when it comes to, like, the technical aspect of the game and, like, talking about things and, like, noticing things, she's really good at that. Mm-hmm. But because she's not a big gamer, she lacks some of the... Motor skills? Yeah, some of the gaming motor skills to play effectively. So even though I don't know shit about about soccer, I can... Uh, a- after I get warmed up, I can usually beat her. It makes her so mad. She's like, why do you have to be so good at games? This is the one thing, like, sports is the one thing, and I'm better at you at. Then you have to come in here and ruin my sports game. Let's see. Uh, Well, they also mentioned League of Legends, Dota 2, and StarCraft 2. What StarCraft 2 is esports scene is on the decline as far as I've been able to hear. Yeah, as far as I can tell, StarCraft 2 is not on its way out, but it's definitely receding Uh, from the limelight. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, the other two, you know, those are the two monster esports scenes, uh, you know, de- uh, in uh, League of Legends. But, so I, mean, I could definitely see those two. I'm not, uh, like, banking too uh, strongly on anything the, the, in this yeah, list. The, yeah, this is one of these things that, it, it seems so strange, but then, you know, they're, you know, ping pong, uh, at least was, I'm not sure if it still is, uh, was at the Olympics. It is, so, it still is. So, uh, so it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, it makes sense overall, but it's uh, because of, I guess, the stereotypes, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's easy to uh, to think of esports separate from traditional sports. I don't want to call it real sports because yeah, because yeah, then you start getting into the poker paradox of okay, well, poker's a sport. Yeah, I but mean, you it- don't call them athletes, but they're, it's still a sport. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, like, this has happened in the Olympics for, you know, the last century and a half since they they returned in the the 1800s. I mean, just modern competition gets added to the Olympics over time. I'm sure it was weird when baseball was added to the Olympics 100 years ago, but now we don't even think about it. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Baseball is a sport that should be in the Olympics. So, you know, I mean, like you said, we've added ping pong. There's uh, badminton, Olympic badminton. Uh, water polo, you know, like water polo seems like a weird sport to me, but it's there. Uh, oh, that's just there to get the casual nudity. Yeah, well, but uh, you know, there's, I mean, there's tons of stuff that you don't think of as like, and I'm, I'm making air quotes, like traditional sports that are in the Olympics and esports have been growing over the last decade pretty steadily. Um, and there's becoming more and more 
games that fall into the esports category, and now there's a whole sector of the industry dedicated to it. Uh, yeah, I guess I, it's just one of those things that uh, it's uh, esports still feels like an outsider in general when it comes to competition. Whenever you think of uh, professional competition, esports and uh, traditional sports are feel like two completely separate things, and the Olympics always felt like it's been more of a focus on the traditional sports. Uh, granted, then you get into the weird ones like ping pong, but mm, it, I, I could definitely see it there, but it still feels a little odd because of it. I, and, also, it and also maybe just because of the fact that it, it's also in the Winter Olympics whenever uh, my mind is thinking, you know, skiing. <laughs> well, or you know, watching it's someone hurdle Or watching someone hurdle down a frozen chute at 58 miles an hour. Yeah. Or, um, shoot, what's the thing where that they, like, push the puck and scrape the ice? Uh. Hockey? No, not hockey. Curling? Yeah, curling. I was going to say, if you can't think of hockey, <laughs> then <laughs> you have a problem. No, curling. Especially with Kyle. Like, curling is a, is a really weird sport, but it's there. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to me. But what I was saying is, like, I'm not banking on any of the games that are listed, because that's in five years. Yeah, um, true. Who knows what... Because the gaming market is relatively volatile compared to other uh, other markets and other uh, well, also, uh, sports. Well, who knows what the esports scene just in general is going to do in five years as well, because uh, that's the thing is that... Uh, and probably another reason why I'm uh, balking at this just a little bit is that there's a you know the you know, rising stars that pop up just overnight just the uh there's a little bit of an esports scene with a uh, clash royale yeah and that came out of nowhere so uh how are they going to try to determine what games <laughs> i'd say for this go around they'll stick to the really heavy hitters which is probably why they've said uh what they have, Dota yeah, and but, uh, League of Legends well, and StarCraft. Okay, but... well, 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 here's a problem. Uh, why are they uh, considering, a, at the time, five-year-old uh, sp- uh, sports game? <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't get FIFA 17. That does not make sense. But the other uh, I'm assuming that they mean just you know, uh, FIFA in general and have it be you know, uh, FIFA t- uh, 20, uh, uh, well, probably 2021. Or yeah, because of you know the, how time works, or, or you know, or whatever they decide to call FIFA in you know five years, but it's one of those things that it's. I I would think that the Olympics would require something to be a little bit more stable than the esports scene because we are talking about how StarCraft Two is on the decline. Where is it going to be in five years if uh, Blizzard can't do something to revitalize it? Or if StarCraft 3 somehow comes out in five years? And once StarCraft 2 came out, this uh, esports scene for StarCraft 1 was pretty much gone outside of uh, the extreme uh, edge cases of it in, well, let's call it uh, South Korea. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're like, let's call it uh, something out of thin air, uh, South Korea. Like, the obvious answer. But uh, that's the thing, is that, uh, are they going to be set on, okay, we're going to do StarCraft 2. Oh, oh, 
crap, StarCraft Two is no longer uh, relevant. It's you know some other RTS or or you know it may not even be an RTS in you know a few years. It's just one of those things that where will they try to draw the line? Where will they try to find the stability of you know an Olympic sport? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? And also, you know, these games are very different from one another, so you can't uh, say, okay, well, we're just going to have the blanket esports, and oh, we're going to throw, um, let, let's throw a console Call of Duty in. <laughs> oh. Woohoo! Let's not do that. A console Call of Duty is uh, has a heavy esports scene, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, any uh, game that has a bunch of auto-aim in it definitely has an esports scene. Yeah. But then again, what can I say? Because Hearthstone has an esports scene and that has a bunch of RNG in it. Even yeah. more so than a traditional card game. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, we should have Magic the Gathering be an, uh, an Olympic sport. I actually would love to see that. <laughs> Just uh, the commentary. Can you imagine trying to do commentary of Magic the Gathering with how complicated that game is? <laughs> that would be interesting. Especially to if they, to. especially if they get a commentator that you know, is trying to bullshit his way through it. <laughs> oh, it looks like they're going to tap that land. Really, really tapping that land. Oh, they're going for the big one. Oh, four land. They're tapping. Look at that four land. This is going to be a big play. Oh, it got countered immediately. <laughs> and now we wait. I activate my trap card. <laughs> oh. Uh, I, I should take the piss out of this so much because I do like seeing esports get uh, recognition like this. But at the same time, it it's one of those things that I'm, they need to have it be more stable than what it is for me to really think that it's going to really gain mass acceptance and right now esports is very volatile yeah and also a lot of a lot of the problems with esports is that it's not that great of a spectator sport we well we've talked about this before where esports uh the games that are traditional for esports are very very complex uh, well, let's just uh, use uh, StarCraft II as a, an example. Talking about various builds, various uh, army compositions, uh, that requires a very specialized commentator. Yeah. And that's not even getting into, you know, just general tactics as well. Yeah. And unlike other sports, it's very difficult to just pull a pro, you know, and make them a commentator because the games will change. I mean... There, it's possible that one day we could see a game that's like this game becomes a, a specific sport unto its own. StarCraft Two is probably the closest we've gotten to that, but we'll have to time will tell if that actually lasts. All right, let's or just not. make but Rocket League a, a, the Olympic sport. Rocket League would be an. I would watch the. I'm, I probably wouldn't watch the Olympics uh, of StarCraft, <laughs> but I absolutely would watch the Olympics of Rocket League. It'd be amazing. But. Be video game figure skating essentially, because some of the uh, really skilled Rocket League players are just They're absolutely insane. Fucking insane! Yes, I wish I was half that good. Jeez. I wish I was an eighth. Yeah, someone uh, just uh, doing an aerial, bounce it off their car, bounce it off the wall, bounce it uh, off the ground onto their car again and into the goal. 
And that's just the ones you see on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, once I actually hit the ball even close to where I was aiming. Yeah. Man. So, uh, do we really have anything else to say about this other than it does seem a little bit strange, but you know, it's nice to see esports getting recognition? No, I don't think I have anything else to add. I think, uh, you know, in uh, around 2020, where things are starting to really solidify for 2022, I think that's when we'll see a, a definite list of what games will be there. And I do think that they need to make sure that is diverse because, you know, they, they're talking about two MOBAs. Well, at least on this list, two MOBAs, uh, a sports game and a RTS. And that doesn't, I mean, well, for one, you don't have any shooters at all, which seems a little strange because you do have quite a few different uh, shooters with a heavy esports scene. Uh, hell, uh, just Counter Strike. Counter-Strike has an absolutely insane esports scene behind it. Grand Valve does uh, promote the ever-living hell out of it, so... Uh, you have Counter-Strike. You, well, I did take the piss out of uh, Call of Duty, but yeah, Call of Duty's uh, esports scene as well. Uh, Battlefield has a couple. Uh, Grand, those are usually uh, uh, funded by EA, but yeah, it's, I'd like to see different uh, genres. It, you know, just not have the blanket esports and have the two MOBAs and RTS, which is essentially uh, the grandfather of MOBAs, and yeah, uh, uh, let's pick a random sport game. Am, am I picking? <laughs> uh, but what would you pick? Uh, FIFA. Since we talked about it, I'll pick FIFA. FIFA. Alright, well. Uh, are we moving along? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and move along. Actually, I think it's time for a, a bathroom break and a coffee refill break. And we're back from our little break, and uh, I picked up some chocolate along the way. And I had a banana. Yeah. And a banana nut muffin. Actually, just a small banana nut muffin. I really like banana nut muffins. They're one of my favorite kinds of muffins. Right after blueberry. I think my favorite is uh, lemon poppy seed. They're okay. I'm not a big fan of like the, the seeds, the, the texture that... That you get mm-hmm. in your muffin. So I'm a big fan of that. But they're not bad. I would eat one if someone gave it to me and was like, hey, have this muffin. I'd be like, thank you very much. And sir, then immediately fail your drug test. <laughs> yeah, fail all my drug tests. Uh, no, I swear, it was the muffin. <laughs> I test positive for muffin, not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So next on the topic list... Steam, they're making more changes again. We've got yeah, several they, articles that we kind of rolled into one topic. Yeah, Steam decided, you know, let's break our vow of silence and have three fairly decent-sized blog posts. Yep, I'm going to put them all right uh, Covering a, a, a fair a variety of topics. Let's uh, start... I think the one we should start with is the uh, how they changed the gifting system. Okay. Let me pull that one to the Because this there. is actually a pretty big change. Yep. I'll uh, let you go through it as you usually do. Okay, this is uh, a short one. Uh, the other two are too long to read, so we'll just... I'll read this one verbatim. Okay. This was released on May 3rd, so uh, a week ago. Today we're announcing changes to the gifts on Steam. The gifting process has had a bunch of uh, uh, friction in it for a while, and we want to make it easier for you to share games that you love with your friends. <clears throat> oh, sorry. 
Okay, I did laugh there because especially with some of the changes they did. Steam gifting <laughs> will now allow uh, will now be a system of direct exchange from the gift buyer to gift receiver, and we'll be retiring the gift to email and gift to inventory options. Here's a quick breakdown of the benefits of the new system. Oh wait, I'm supposed to read these. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you are you making a joke? <laughs> are you waiting on something? Yes. No, no, no. I was making a joke. All right. Scheduled gifts is uh, even more straightforward. Go ahead and buy a gift months in advance and have it delivered to a friend on time every time. Yeah, because they won't buy the game in uh, the months in advance. But Decline uh, gifts resolve the way they should. In the old system, a declined gift would sneak its way back to the gifter's inventory and remain on uh, the bill. Now a receipt will automatically... The recipient has uh, the title, or if they don't want it... They could click on and the purchase is refunded directly to the gift uh, giver, which I, I agree with that one. That That is a good change. Yeah, I agree on that one. Safe uh, cross-country gifting. No worrying about if a gift to email or gift to inventory is going to work for a friend. Gifts sent uh, through the new system will always work on the receiver's account. When there's a large difference in pricing between countries, gifting won't be available and you'll know about it before purchase. That's where uh, the sticking point is, and probably why they change change this. And you know, it's just these uh, changes are now available. Let us know, blah 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 blah. Uh, the gifting across regions has been a sticky uh, subject for quite a while because of region locks. For those who don't know, region locks is it's, it makes it so that if a game is locked in a particular region. You literally can't get it at times. There are sometimes there's ways around it, but uh, for for the sake of this, let's just call it a complete lockout. And this makes it so that pricing is what is locking out gifting. Which, oh, that is a huge change. And one I definitely don't like, because uh, the percentage of uh, a price could differ between regions. Uh, and on top of that, right, different regions have different pricing in general. Uh, typically, the regions that are poor, for lack of a better term, uh, will have a lower price. And now, if someone buys a game there, they can't gift it to uh, someone here. Or, there's been some people reporting that even between EU and North America, because of a difference in uh, the uh, euro to dollar and different uh, percentage offs. They've been locked out of gifting across those regions. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I dislike these changes except for their second point. Um, yeah, that that's how it should have been in the begin with. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna give. I'm probably not gonna give, give as many gifts anymore because I'll usually buy games on sale. And just stick them in my inventory, and whenever well, I, can't I see do that anymore, yeah, and whenever I see a friend who's like, they want that game, like, because I check it periodically, and it's like, oh, I've got this game, I'll gift it to my friend or to a podcast listener, or yeah, I mean, we can't do the giveaways anymore without people being friends with me on Steam, which is not a huge problem, but if our audience grows, I mean, even now though, our audience, I'm sure there's people who aren't friends with me from our audience, I can't give them a gift anymore, I can't email it to them. I mean, maybe they don't want to be my friend, and that's okay. Oh, don't worry, I'll be your friend. Oh, thanks. But I mean, that's I okay. I come maybe... up with a weird word every week. Oh, aren't you just 
the, the cutest. Um, but, you know, maybe they don't want a big friends list or, you know, to them I'm a stranger and why would they be friends with a stranger? Like, I totally get that. But now this means that I can't gift them games on Steam because, you know, they can't give me their email address or somewhere else that I can send them the key to. So I don't I don't like I don't like any of I mean, this. I think I understand. I think I understand where they're coming from on this. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Don't wow. get me wrong. That's um, pretty rare for you. Well, I usually try to at least see where they're coming from. Granted, I usually get pissed off and uh, don't uh, articulate that. But still, I think uh, this comes uh, pressure from the publishers because they see people gifting across regions uh, quite a bit. And they're trying to... Uh, the big point here is I think they're trying to dip grave markets in the bud. Yeah. And that's where this is uh, going to hit them. Is that uh, a lot of uh, of the legitimate side of the great market, not the you know bullshit, uh, you know, steal a credit card, buy a bunch of copies of a game, and uh, launder the money through uh, bullshit, uh, well, great market sites. Uh, the legitimate side of that was uh, people buying uh, a few copies when they're on sale, or dozens of copies when they're on sale in a uh, lower price region. And selling them to a higher price region, still at a discount uh, compared to the higher price region, but still at a decent enough markup to make it worthwhile. So I think that's where this is coming from, is trying to nip that in the bud more than anything else. But this is also coming down to uh, punishing the legitimate users to do that. And one of the things that Gaben was talking about to uh, prevent piracy was make it so that legitimate customers it was easier for them to just buy the game and play it than to pirate it and i think yeah this is going against that principle yeah i think this is a step in the the wrong direction maybe not the opposite direction i'm not 100 percent sure but it is a sidestep yeah definitely a sidestep and it's just one of those things that i understand where they're coming from i don't like it uh, i think the scheduling is uh okay but i think they are <laughs> they're gonna see a lot less people buying games i mean you could already uh, schedule gifts. gifts that already yeah, but, existed yeah but now you ha- uh, don't have to worry about being in your inventory and just sitting there i mean i guess that would uh if if there's a game in your inventory scheduled uh in the old system, people would be able to see it's like, well, why do you have that in your inventory? But uh, it's just uh, they're they're cutting off their uh, leg to try to get a splinter out of their toe. Yeah, and this isn't RimWorld; it doesn't work like that. <laughs> nope. Okay, the next one. Which one do you want to do next? Uh, well, my next one is uh, the Steam support. Okay. Which this is a, a massive thing. Uh, I'll let you take this one uh, since uh, if, if there's a point on this you want to talk about, because a lot of this is just talking about the number of requests they had per day and trying to resolve that. Yeah, you just want to hit uh, the 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 headings yeah, for hit, each section. Yeah, hit, yeah, hit the uh, headings. So yeah, the the first heading. Um, well, I mean, initially they're just like, "Hey, we've heard from you guys. Here's our our stats." Uh, the first one was yeah, this, help- uh, th- oh, this was released on May second, by the way. Yeah, so a little over a week ago. Uh, The first topic or their first header is help requests and backlog. 
Um, and they're just talking about how they receive so many requests per day. And they're saying they receive around 75,000 help requests a day, yeah. which is and, uh, a ton. Yeah, and they currently end up with around 8,000 requests waiting for responses at most times. Which I've realized that they must have had a huge uh, uh, flood of traffic, but never thought you know, 75,000, especially with you know, the current systems with the refund uh, being automated. Because yeah. I imagine that took a huge chunk out of their uh, support tickets. Yeah. Pe- yeah. I mean, a lot of their uh, support, at least it was, automated as well. I mean, there were quite a few bots that had standard responses that they gave to people for the most common support requests. Please stand by, human. <laughs> yeah. Um, Praise Gaben. But, I mean, that's still a lot more than I thought. I was thinking somewhere around half that number, like thirty-five to 40,000 mark was how many they got per day, which is still a ton, but, I mean, that's a very tiny, you know, percent of a percent uh, compared to the overall active daily users, so. Uh, let's see. The active uh, for today was right at 12 million. Yeah, so let me just pull up my calculator, my handy-dandy calculator here. Let's see, 75,000, 12. That is 0.006% of of active users from today. And that's assuming one ticket per uh, user. Because I imagine a few of these are, you know, why haven't you responded to my ticket? Yeah, I've been guilty of that with Steam. Although, to be honest, back in the day when it would take days or weeks or months to receive a response. Um, so anyways, uh, the second header is um, they're talking about their response time. Um, and like you just said, uh, their automated refund policy, they, they may mention like a huge number of requests have been related to refund policies. I wonder uh, just how big a spike they had in traffic with Domain Sky. Oh, I mean, it was huge. I know it was huge. They, <laughs> I mean, we talked about it. They made an announcement like, look, they no had to more. put it on the store page. Yeah, they put it on the store page. Which <laughs> I wish I could see a graph of, uh, you know, uh, their normal traffic and just the release of No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I'm an evil person. What can I say? <laughs> um,. In this section, they talk about adding a few more self-help stuff, like some account self-help account recovery stuff, um, and dealing with some potential like phishing and things like that. Yeah, uh, which that's uh, the other thing is that there's a lot of, of Fisher bots out there, and that's something that I think Valve has not really addressed is just how easy it is to set up dozens or hundreds of Steam accounts. Pay five bucks and then just let them uh, just run rampant. I've think, never encountered a Fisher bot for Steam. Oh, play TF2 at all. Have something from uh, decent from TF2 in your inventory. Have something decent from uh, Dota or uh, uh, Call of uh, no, well, Call of Duty. If you play Call of Duty, you'll get a bunch of them as well, but. Uh, from Counter Strike, have uh, a decent item from Counter Strike, where uh, the market has uh, really taken off for these games. You'll get people trying to just uh, fish you or trying to trick you into trading off your decent items. It's ridiculous. 
I actually I have had people contact me about trades and stuff when I've had a few rare things in my inventory, but um I didn't think that they would be that they like it didn't seem like a fishing attempt. It did seem like they were trying to scam me out of my cards, but I, I guess I just think of phishing as just like someone trying to get your account information. And maybe that's just like from my computer science days. Uh, or maybe I'm being a little over general on my uh, uh, terms there because uh, I, I probably am uh, putting scamming and phishing into the same category. But it's the same basic idea of trying to uh, take something from another person. Yeah. Yeah, I get but, what you're saying. Uh, there. th- but there's definitely fishers out there, proper fishers that are trying to get uh, accounts that have a lot of uh, stuff on them as well. Yeah. This is not even uh, accounting. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure my account would be a, a tempting target just with the number of games on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure mine would be too. But yeah, I've never, I've never been contacted by anyone trying to scam me out of my account or uh, posing as a. Valve support or anything like that. I haven't gotten honestly, the Valve support ones, but uh, those are out there as well. Honestly, or if at I least got they an, used to be. If I got an email that was from Valve support, I would automatically think that it was a scammer because they never like they were yeah. so bad at responding to stuff before. And why Besides, would they proactively Valve would, uh, would do a uh, a pop up window in the Steam client itself? Yeah, because I've actually had that uh, come up a couple times uh, due to review copies. Uh, the uh, a couple of companies that I've uh, had uh, review copies from, uh, they've uh, acted, uh, they pulled the uh, licenses improperly, so it came up uh, as a, uh, a uh, acted like I reversed payment on them. <laughs> okay. So I had uh, that error message come up a couple of times. Uh, freaked, the, freaked me the fuck out the first time it came up because it's like, wait, what the hell is this? <laughs> so yeah there's that uh, lovely thing but it's uh, it's Steam supporters always through the uh, client itself they don't do emails yeah uh, well, well not counting you know the uh, uh, the two factor uh, authorization of course but even that is uh, for me through the uh, bubble client yeah they, and then they the final part of this is that they go on to say that they've uh, got their response time down to under 24 hours for like 98% of requests which that's which that's pretty good I'll give them you know credit where credit credits due it, they're finally behaving like a proper company should yeah it's a shame that it's come to this point though that you know they had to <laughs> they had to make a special blog post about this yeah when this should have been baseline uh, 24 hours I think is you know the absolute minimum acceptable it's not good, definitely not good, but it's acceptable. Yeah. I was going to go look at my most recent Steam support uh, request to see what their response time was, but it has been cleared. There's none there, so I don't what, know. What, you could retire Glyphics? <laughs> yeah, I can. And Latin, I speak Latin. I only speak English and bad English. I actually, the, I sent him something before, around Christmas or New Year, that I actually never got a response to. But they, it, that's all been cleared out. I guess they just re- remove old tickets after a certain amount of time. I sent them like three, three things. And that was I the No Man's Sky, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, this was for a different game. 
Honestly, I don't remember what game it was. Like, it was a game I was trying to play, but it was broken. Um, and I was past the refund window. I, I know remember that, you talked about this, but I don't recall the game. Yeah, I don't recall the game either. But I... I said, Obviously, like, it's not very important. No. It was, like, super cheap. I just was going to see if there was, like... The, if I could get a refund on it, even though it's passed because the game is broken, or if they could do something to help me, because I was having a weird compatibility issue that I couldn't figure out, and I wasn't getting a response from the game's developers either on their forums. So, game's dead, yo. But I just, I just gave up. I don't remember what game it was. So that's how how many shits I gave. <laughs> uh, the last thing they go on to say on this uh, entry is that we're gonna do better. We're continuing to strive to do better, and we're hiring more staff and things, and better. We're we're better. Emphasize that a bit. So, I mean, good for them. Like like we just said, there. Yeah, Steam support uh, has been a butt of jokes for ages. So it's good to see them actually working to improve it. The thing is, it's easy for them to improve it now, but if they see well they continue to see the growth that they've had in the past several years and with uh, the steam direct system where you know you're going to see a lot more games can yeah. they keep this up uh their because track record the suggests thing. to me no but hey more power to uh, do we have on. the number 3 involved in any way i don't know i don't think so so they can probably Steam, do it. Uh, Steam support uh, episode uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just been one of those things that it shouldn't have gotten to this point to begin with. There's no excuse for it. Yeah. So I should agree. we move on to the last uh, part of uh, the Steam store, our philosophy, and the next steps? Yeah. Uh, this mostly ties into a new feature that's uh, been deployed on the Steam store. Uh, the reason why you may like this game, which is an interesting uh, little sub-window that they have, but uh, they they do talk about uh, their philosophy of uh, you know, the type of gamers that you'd see on the Steam store and trying to cater to all of them. And I'm not sure if uh, they should be f- trying to focus on all of these, <laughs> because I just keep thinking of, you try to please everyone, you're going to please no one. Yeah. But, I mean, how do you, you know, this is like, seems uh, like are, an impossible yeah, these, task. Yeah, these are very diverse. Uh, well, uh, to answer that, we need to look at all the different kinds of players who use Steam. Players who are tightly connected with the online gaming community and, and uh, conversations, and players who uh, are totally unconnected. Players who browse the store looking for a game, and uh, players who arrive already knowing the title that they're looking for. Players who come to the store once a month, players who visit multiple times a day. Players who want to buy the latest AAA game, players who want to search for hidden gems. Players who want to uh, play titles earlier in their development and get involved with the evolution. Players who want games with specific attributes, such as the type of gameplay, support for a specific technology, or translations in their local language. Developers with AAA titles that have large existing fan bases, developers who are rarely known, yet have a game that would be a hit if players found it. Developers who uh, want to build deliberately niche games and have them find uh, that niche audience, or developers who want to get the community feedback earlier development process. How do you cater to all of this? 
Well, you hire a, a wait staff um, or call your local restaurant. Make sure you, you have like. the vegan option. And a vegetarian one. Then you're and good to go. don't forget gluten-free. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> uh, but uh, this all boils down to, this is an exceptionally long post. This is uh, uh, longer than the other two combined. Yeah. Uh, really ties into a new section on the Steam store where uh, it talks about usually two, uh, sometimes one, depending on just how unique the game is. Games that you've played, uh, assuming that you've played games that fit into this category, and user reviews, and uh, and they try to bring the curators into more, uh, well, into more focus with this because uh, the curators, the curation system is just ridiculous. It, it's not used at all, and uh, not just by our podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, the curation system, it's one of those systems that Valve has made and then just kind of just left it adrift and haven't really touched it since. So they're trying to make it a little bit more uh, relevant with uh, the curators also showing up in this, but it's I'm not sure if the curators are really matter in this. It's mostly tying into, okay, this game, you may like it because you uh, played Left 4 Dead and Tomb Raider, so you may like the shooter. But my problem with the, the related games is that it relies on the tag system. Yeah. So I just pulled up Call of Duty Advanced Warfare because, you know, we talked about it earlier. And it says, is this game relevant to you? Similar games you've played. Now, I own a couple of Call of Duty games. I have many hours with them on record, particularly uh, Black Ops. Uh, Black Ops is not on this list. You want to know what games it recommends or that it's saying what? that are similar? Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Remastered. Okay. Call of well, Duty I, Advanced I, Warfare is not at all like those two games. Except that you shoot guns. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'm just heading to the Steam Store page. Uh, let, well, they have a, uh, the, uh, the PC port of Animation Throwdown, uh, Quest for Cards. Uh, essentially, uh, Fox Animation uh, mobile uh, cash grab card game. You'd expect card games on this. And I've played quite a few card games, especially on Steam. Is this game relevant for you? This game doesn't look like any uh, other things you've played in the past. As such, we don't have much information on whether or not you might uh, be interested in this game. Now, never mind the fact that I was playing Feria earlier, which is also a card game. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, let's uh, grab another one at random on the Steam or front page. Oh, let's uh, go. Well, this DLC for Farming Simulator 17. Let's go to Farming Simulator 17, the main page. Care to guess the games? Farming Simulator. Is this game relevant to you? It gave me two games. Uh, two games that I have uh, more than 15 Euro, hours in. Euro Truck Simulator? Yes. Uh, and Euro Truck Simulator 2? No, well, Euro Truck Simulator 2 and Spin Tires. Never oh, mind okay. the fact that. I have quite a few hours in Stardew Valley. Yeah. Granted, you know, different uh, style of farming, but it's a lot more relevant than spin tires. Yeah, although I think spin tires and uh, Euro Truck are closer than Bioshock is to Call of Duty. All right, let's see. Uh, let's grab another one on the Steam uh, front page. Uh, let's see, top sellers. Uh, oh, pray, this ought to be good. Descent Underground. 
<laughs> really? Descent Underground. I, I'm pretty sure that's just a game that I've idled uh, <laughs> off the, uh, the, the cards. So I just also clicked one at random. I clicked Hitman, uh, the complete first season. Uh, is this game relevant to you? Check mark because you've played games tagged single player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's lovely. I love that. Uh, so yeah, this. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, here's one that actually kind of works. Uh, Divinity Original Sin Two. You uh, may like this because you played Divinity Original Sin. That works. That's... Valkyria Chronicles. That yeah, that works. Now, this has kind of turned into Discovery Q, hasn't it? Words WMD. Is this game relevant to you? Check mark because it's in the top sellers. Oh, yeah, check mark because it's already on your wish list. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense why it's relevant to me. It's in my wish list. I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow that one. But it, this is the problem with the system is that it relies on the tag system, and the tag system is notoriously uh, used as the butt of jokes. As a matter of fact, on uh, Reddit just earlier today, there was a, a, a father or mother, they didn't say which. They were browsing for uh, games uh, with their kid, and they were browsing family-friendly games to yeah pick up one. And Porn Tycoon was on the list because someone made the joke of, oh, it's family-friendly, ha ha ha. Yeah. And yes, there's actually a game on Steam called Porno Tycoon. Oh yeah, no, I know there is. It's on my wish list. Well, I signed up for a view copy of it. So I got one up on you on it. Granted, nice. I haven't gotten it yet. We'll see if I do. But it's yeah, it's it's relying on a system that is essentially broken and uses the butt of jokes. Yeah. So that's why I have a little bit of uh, yeah, uh, hesitance on how useful this is going to be. I wish that it would rely. I mean, I like it. I like the concept, the idea, but I wish it would rely more on your friends have this game or focus exclusively on you've played games like this that are similar to mm-hmm. it, but don't do don't use the tags. Go more by maybe genres or well, this, that's the problem is that still a tag, but, or even uh, another like I mean it can't be that hard for Steam to create or for Valve to do something. I mean. Well, no, it would be because it would require a couple of people to sit down and go through and create this thing. I would hate but, to uh, be uh, the intern that would have to go through and tag games individually on uh, Steam. Well, I mean, there's got to be. I can't even. I can't even keep up on a my library, and I have less than ten percent of the Steam uh, uh, library total. Yeah. Let's see. I, I'm just browsing around some more. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, ukulele is on my front page. Uh, let's uh, see what that one suggests. Uh, that one doesn't even. Uh, oh, oh, it says uh, it's uh, it's very positive. Uh, uh, and one person recommends it on my friends list, and one uh, person uh, has wants this game. Can I guess who that is? Me. <laughs> and five people own it. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's one of those things that it's it's a good first step, but it, it, uh, Valve needs to flesh this out a lot more. And Valve has a tendency to not do that. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm really coming down nasty on this, aren't I? Yeah, here's one that works. Uh, reality, or slash reality. Uh, it's a visual novel 
sort of choose your own adventure style game. And it recommends this one to me because I've played. I mean, it's got a couple of of these different visual novel type games. Yeah, but that's the here. easy one for you. I mean, it, if they pick two random games out of your library, what are the odds that they will hit a visual novel? Probably pretty damn good. Probably pretty good. It's like survival crafting game and visual novel are like two pretty big categories in my library. And space yeah. space sim or something like that. That's a, another big one. Let's see. Uh, Added to my wish list though. It looked good. <laughs> it did. It looked good. <laughs> well, I, I, on the front page, uh, they have one of the. Uh, no, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, uh, choice of games uh, game. Yeah, uh, the uh, the uh, just novel games. Yeah, and they completely ignore the fact that I have one of theirs. Oh. So it's one of those things that it, it's definitely a front, uh, good first step, but it's uh, it's bare bones at best. Yeah, needs needs some work. Now let's see if they actually will continue to develop it, or if it'll fall by the wayside like so many of their other projects. So many, I think you mean pretty much all. Yeah, pretty much all. All right, are we ready to move on to our next topic? Um, think so. Which uh, wouldn't that be the community corner? It is. So we received one text letter this week from our dear friend, Mister Jim thirty five thirty five, and I will pull that up, and we will go through it. Um, yeah, this is in relation to the random Franken episode that I released last week. Yeah. Uh. Uh, how much should we read and stop and talk? Do you just want me to read through the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. let's just uh, read until we hit a, to- uh, to a talkie point, then uh, I'll continue on from there. Okay. There's been a lot of controversy about ethics and gaming journalism, or the lack of it. It would be great if things did improve, but there's a fundamental conflict of interest that will remain until they find a different business model. Game journalists typically rely on ad revenue, which relies on getting as many readers or viewers to consume their content as possible, As with a news cycle, there's a huge incentive to be first, or at least early, to publish. People will find what reviews are out when they go looking, so a blog that waits a week to do a more thorough job will miss out on the majority of the views because people move on. Yeah, uh, that's uh, a very good point. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, there was an article that I was thinking about putting on the docket, but uh, didn't. uh, That uh, it's one of the rare good ones from Gutaku. Which uh, may have been uh, enough reason to put on the docket, talking about how praise, uh, well, how uh, Bethesda's uh, review policy with Prey is definitely uh, hurting it because reviewers are having to rush through Prey, that a game that really pays off a lot more if you have time to play it. Yeah, and it's the same thing, really. Well, even more so with Prey, just because yeah, they there's no review embargo that it's all rush 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 trying to get that review out as quickly as possible because those first clicks are what's really important to drive the traffic yep and i mean i'm gonna wait to see if tb or jim sterling does a review of prey or you know for tb at wtf is but i mean i'm you know you and i like we've said a million times before are not the average gamer yeah so Granted, uh, my uh, skill uh, uh, is uh, below average, but still. <laughs> well, that's still not average, so it counts. 
Unless it's uh, RimWorld, that somehow I'm like some sort of idiot savant at that. I don't know. I, I don't understand. Well, you know, we've all got our games. I've got Factorio. You've got RimWorld. Yeah, and uh, 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 Big Groove uh, Hall things. and uh, uh, Let's do them one. It's beautiful. Oh, great. But, uh, there, there, but there's also the uh, flip side of this. It's, uh, I don't think he mentions that, is that uh, uh, gaming sites also have to try to cozy up to uh, publishers to try to uh, get those uh, precious review copies. He sort of talks about that a little bit later uh, in the next couple of, of paragraphs. Okay, well, we'll go into that, then we'll uh, talk about uh, this entire point in general then. Okay, uh, I'll keep reading. Uh, game publishers sending out review copies and having embargo dates partially solves the problem of rushed reviews, but it introduces another huge issue, which is where he brings this up. It gives game publishers uh, the power to pick the winners and losers. They can decide who gets review copies and who doesn't. Journalists that don't get them are at a major disadvantage, especially if some outlets are allowed to publish content before the game is released. If publishers, IGN first. Yeah. IGN and Eurogamer, those are two big, big offenders of that. Um, if publishers had integrity, this might not be an issue. However, putting out bad reviews can get journalists blacklisted from getting regular review copies. This could have major repercussions for the journalists and may even put them out of business. So, there's a strong incentive to not get blacklisted. Sometimes they will downplay faults, try to put positive spin on reviews, or do other things that makes the game seem better than it really is. Publishers love this situation because it allows them to control the narrative before launch. They can place restrictions on what aspects can be reported on, what areas of the game may be played, etc. The current trend seems to be to push for pre-orders and day one sales as much as possible. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good stopping point right there. Is that okay? Well, uh, the uh, uh, the biggest one I could think of just off the top of my head for a game that really didn't need it was Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, because you know, you couldn't uh, talk about any bugs. You had to put the game in a positive light, and they only gave it to streamers that uh, signed off on uh, their non-disclosure. Well, I, non-disclosure may not be the proper term for it, but their contract. Uh, to get it early, otherwise, yeah, you know, you're not getting it until launch. Yeah, and you know, Shadow of Mordor was uh, a, a great game that was well reviewed, anyways. Um, but you know, it didn't need that stuff, and it kind of continues to perpetuate the the situation. Like companies that there are games that do need it, like any Assassin's Creed game from the last five years, or any Bethesda game ever. <laughs> You know, they, I mean, that's... Well, it's not like Bethesda is uh, actively blocking on their review. Oh, wait. Yeah, it's not like Bethesda is waiting till the last second to send review copies so that, oh, wait, that is what they're doing, isn't, aren't they? <laughs> uh, well, and, well, that's the thing, is that uh, the average gamer doesn't care about this, so Bethesda could get away with it. Yeah. But, and the average gamer doesn't care that Skyrim is a buggy piece of shit on launch. Because, yeah, the, it's it's Skyrim! My Elder Scrolls game. Um, yeah. It's uh, very disappointing to uh, see this trend. And, well, you were talking about how your client was talking about, you know, just dropping 20 bucks on uh, digital cards, essentially. Yeah, they're called supply drops in, in well, Advanced it, Warfare. Well, they're card packs. They Let's are. Just they call are. It what it they is. absolutely are. But. And, uh,. Yeah, not being upset that he got nothing of use and was talking about dropping more in a couple weeks. Yeah. 
it's just mind blowing to me, and it's so exploitative that uh, the fact that no game journalist is calling this out—that it's just an accepted fact—that you know, you know, AAA games they're going to have this. Get over it. Yep. But they really can't do that because of this cozy nature that they have to have with publishers. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jim mentions uh Jim mentions Jim in his letter, uh, Jim Sterling. Uh but you know that's what I was going to say. Like There's there too are many gems here. <laughs> we we need labels. Hang on, I'll get the label gun. <laughs> yeah. Jim hold still. This will only sting for a little bit. Cuz you are also a gem. So we've got three gems in this equation right here. I'll I'll just have to get the tattoo uh gun. Um but anyways, you know, there are a few journalists that or pundits that have done it, but they're the exception, not the rule. You know, for every Jim Sterling, there are a dozen no-name writers at at Kotaku or uh, Polygon or IGN. That, and that's not to say that all writers for those sites or major gaming sites are bad, but uh, oh, just most of them. Just I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say just most of them. You know, they just. I don't know. I, I'm going to dig myself into a big hole, and I'm actually going to stop talking for once. Cause, no, no, keep digging. Keep digging. <laughs> I mean, I don't begrudge... I'm, I'll keep digging. I don't begrudge people their jobs. Like, you know, you got to put food on the table. If this is what you're good at, if this is your career, go for it. Yeah, but, suck that dick. But I feel like so many of, of them have no journalistic integrity, and they just well, the, uh, go well, with the whatever. Is that, that if you have journalistic integrity, you are at a disadvantage in the gaming industry. <laughs> Yeah, that's why someone like Jim Sterling, like Total Biscuit, are rare because they're they've gotten big enough that they could have that integrity and not be punished for it. That they could still flourish. Grant, uh, I'm not about to pretend that they don't get punished for that their views are being uh, extreme because they definitely do. Yeah, I mean, just uh, Total Biscuit talking about all the review copies he doesn't get. Because yeah. of uh, yeah, him uh, not pulling punches. Yep, Jim uh, has mentioned the same sort of thing. He's uh, has had a couple of Jim quisitions where he talks about uh, how he's been blacklisted by several uh, developers and publishers, and you know he basically is just like I'm in a position where fuck it, it doesn't matter. I'll just go buy the game and write it off on my taxes. But you know, other people can't do that. Yeah. So, it's tough. I mean, they're between a rock and a hard place. I don't begrudge them, but I feel like if, if you know, this is one of those situations where they're like, I feel like if a decent majority of people just said, you know what, no, I'm not going to do this anymore, that it would flip the industry on its head. Yeah, but the problem is that, it, well, it's the same problem that you have with the development side of thing, is that there's a sea of talent that wants to get into this industry because of the... Uh, stars in their eyes, essentially. It's the Hollywood syndrome. They uh, go into these uh, uh, jobs thinking that, oh, I'm going to play video games for a living and uh, uh, yeah, get paid for it. Uh, it's, this is going to be great. And then you realize that, oh, shit, I got to review this? Yeah. Yeah. Reviewing games is probably the best thing I ever did to give me a, a, a perspective on what good games are because I had exactly. to play some shitty games. I, I got to play some real gems too, but man, did I have to play some shitty games. Granted, I never had to. Uh, well, I always had the choice of what I was playing, but 
whenever I did some uh, game reviews for a website that's uh, long since died. But, uh, you know, there were some games that were tough to play uh, for, for long enough to do a proper review. That's probably part of the reason why I tend to lean towards uh, First Impressions now is that I don't have to play uh, the blob all the way through a game that's definitely not for my demographic. Yeah. I remember the shortest review I ever wrote was like 400 words. I was like, I just I just can't. This game is so bad, I can't anymore. Here's everything that's wrong about it. Here's the only good thing. Don't buy it. What, the uninstaller? <laughs> yeah. No, it was something else. I don't remember <laughs> what the good thing was. It was, uh, I think it's on Steam. Like something gods. It was a it was a a, a wave based shooter. Uh, I, th- I think I might know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of it. it if it's the same one I'm thinking of, at least. But it, you know, it's, why do you have to have uh, journalistic integrity if you're so replaceable? That's the thing. Yeah. God mode. The game I think of is God yeah. mode. And that's the game I was trying to think of. It was so bad. There were there was no redeeming quality to this game at all. I, I pretty much do. Yeah, way based shooter with God in the title. I think I know that game. <laughs> yeah, this was like a four hundred or a four hundred and fifty word review. This game was terrible. It's got mostly positive reviews on Steam. I suppose that if it's been updated and stuff, it could be better now than it was. But when this game first came out, it was a hot pile of steaming garbage. With a, a nice little dollop of dog poo on top. Lovely. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going for. Um. Okay. You want me to ready to keep going through? I, I think so. Uh, there's a long list of uh, advantages uh, on something I mentioned uh, in a little bit. Yeah. Um. I can skip to that if you want. We pretty much covered this last paragraph, even though I didn't yeah. read it. Uh. So I'll, I'll just skip to part two. Um. Why gaming on the long tail is the place to be. Uh, Caffeine Rage called it being a patient gamer on the Franken episode. There are subs- yeah, which there's a rather large subreddit for that. As a matter of fact, PC Gamer, uh, well, when they're not talking about the random uh, sex side of uh, mods, have uh, been talking about uh, patient gaming. Uh, there are substantial advantages to waiting one or more years after a game's released before buying it. Um, and it is a pretty decent list. You completely avoid any pre-order fiascos like No Man's Sky. Reviews are fully fleshed out and not biased by the beginning gameplay. You avoid server issues that cripple many games in the first week after release. You get to play the patched version and avoid all the bugs they fix. You get mature graphics drivers that improve performance and fix issues with the game. Games are typically much cheaper, and you can get them on sale. DLC is often bundled into the Game of the Year edition that saves money. You know if the season pass is worth it or not. It's not. Uh, uh, sometimes just, it is. Uh, sometimes you get uh, good uh, content in the DLCs, and the season pass is worth it. Very uh, especially rarely. if you, uh, well, uh, especially if you catch a pricing error. Yeah, I got the, I got the uh, DLC or the uh, season pass for uh, Bioshock Infinite uh, for five bucks, and that was very worth it. Yeah, uh, you know if the game has a lasting player base versus falling off a cliff. You know if the game has excessive grind to it. You know if the developers patched in pay-to-win elements like Payday 2. There's often a mature modding community with stable mods. And the last one, far fewer game patches and mod updates get released that break your game slash mods. That's not to say it's bad to buy games right away. People who like popular multiplayer games or want to game with their friends have good reason to. 
there are other games that you might really want to play right away. Just remember, thou shalt not pre-order. It's not a big deal to wait a few days and find out if the game is okay or a steaming pile of shit. I will say that the uh, the strongest downside of being a patient gamer is multiplayer gaming. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, typically there uh, only a few games really last years in their multiplayer uh, communities. And that's uh, the strongest downside. Grant, I'm typically not a multiplayer gamer. I'm typically a single player gamer. So yeah, that isn't as big an issue for me. But if you if you want to play Call of Duty uh, on multiplayer, you pretty much have to be uh, there in the first couple months. Yeah, you can maybe get a little bit of discount on the first Steam sale, but outside of that, you pretty much have to be there, at least on PC. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, you know a couple uh, uh, versions of Call of Duty that has uh, uh, their player bases still on console, but it's yeah, yeah. Uh, typically patient gamers are the PC uh, crowd, not the console crowd. Yeah, usually, not always, but usually. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, I'm not a huge multiplayer gamer, so that part doesn't really affect me very much or very often. And honestly, the multiplayer games that we do play are games that we all play together, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own built-in multiplayer base. Yeah, very true. Um, okay. Well, that does it for Jim's letter. Excellent letter, Jim. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for sending it. Uh, okay. You want to move on to tweets? Yeah, we. well, I have two questions of the week. Okay. Since uh, we had the week off. Uh, first up is with emulation officially on the table for the game club. What games uh, would you like to us to consider for future picks? And I should have uh, guessed where this is a little bit better because a lot of people ignored the fact that I was mentioning emulation. I was wanting emulator titles, right? Uh, Groove, I think, just wants uh, to be out of uh, the uh, job pool and want to be forced into his crate for a timeout because he mentioned No Man's Sky and Half Life Three. <laughs> Which I next uh, No Man's Sky because I said game, not screenshot generator. <laughs> uh, Chemist has a good uh, suggestion for Ocarina of Time. It's almost too obvious, and I do agree. That's almost the too obvious answer. Honestly, uh, well, the Tito 64 emulation is a little finicky still, last I checked at least. But, the, you know, Ocarina of Time has had multiple re-releases. But I would say... Uh, I would almost want to do a different Zelda because you know, Ocarina of Time is so uh, yeah, popular. Yeah. Uh, Majora's Mask, I think, is better than Ocarina of Time. I, I didn't really care for Majora's Mask, mostly for the time limit. The time limit was frustrating, but overall, I really liked the the design elements of that game. A lot of I would almost want to go for thinking. an older one, or not an older one, but a, a, a more uh, modern one, I should say, uh, like uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker's a really good one, too. Uh, Spirit plus Tracks. It's all, we should do Spirit plus Tracks. Plus, it's also one of those that is uh, yeah, uh, very strange. Yeah, so Spirit Tracks. Train combat in the uh You just trains. That's the only reason I bought that game, and it turned out to be a really good Zelda game. Um, But it's also a, a DS game, so I don't know if there's yeah. DS emulation. Oh, there is. Let me, it's a little bit cumbersome if you have to do uh, touchscreen stuff. I was going to say, let me rephrase. Uh, if there's 
good working DS emulation. And actually, um, oh. Spirit Tracks has this thing where you have to like blow on the microphone. So uh, that might uh, not work. Oh, well, actually, uh, you could set it up so that uh, the the emulation actually picks up your microphone, and you could have it where you could play a sound file through the uh, through a emulated microphone. <laughs> that would work. The only, uh, 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 I think it's a DS game. It may be a Game Boy Advance game that doesn't really work. Is the one that has a sunlight uh, sensor in it? Oh yeah, I know what. I can't think of the name of that game, but I know what you're talking about. That's the only one that I've ever encountered that you know, emulators, emulators just have no idea what the fuck. Yeah, and it was like, because you had to go outside to collect sunlight for the game, and it charged like a power meter or something, and you used mm-hmm. that to like fight certain enemies in the game. It was to encourage kids to go outside. Yeah, and then they just uh, released Pokemon Go. Yeah. But let's see, Jim, uh, Subnautica, let's see, not emulator title. Uh, Witcher 3, not an emulator title. Desert Bus. Jim, uh, do, do you need to talk? Has somebody hurt you? <laughs> yeah, that's wishing torture upon us. I, I mean, I understand that, you know, Jared's a little strange and he'd probably like something like that, but Desert Bus, really? Desert Bus is really boring. I've actually played Desert Bus. I mean, I've uh, seen see, it before, but I've, I've played well, it too. Well, well, Desert Bus is one of those uh, torture games that uh, charity streams play. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Dragon Age Origins, uh, not emulator title. Well, I guess technically it could be, but yeah, you could emulate it. Not sure why you would want to, but eh. Eternal Sonata, that's uh, PS3. I checked that out. Uh, there's technically working emulators, but it's still in the early stages, uh, from what I could tell. Let's see, Kotar 2, uh, technically emulator title, but yeah, why would you want to? Uh, the Tales Principle, uh. Not a bad uh, pick, but you know, not emulator title and super hot, not emulator title. Definitely should have worded that uh, uh, question better, or people just ignored it. Maybe a little column A, a little column B. But definitely you should put Zelda on list at some point. Yo, get uh, a copyright strike from Nintendo. How dare you talk about uh, about uh, Legend of Zelda? Yep. And the question is, which is Zelda? Because that would be a good question. All the Zeldas. I'm not sure if I would be able to go back all the way to the first Zelda, or, or, or especially the second one. Uh, Link's uh, or, or is it Link's? No, Link's Awakening is the one I played. Uh, oh shoot! Uh, Legend of Zelda Two, the only direct sequel. Well, uh, well, until Majora's Mask. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the 2D uh, side scroller. Uh, yeah, that I know be, which one you're talking uh, about. That would be very remember. tough to go to, uh, especially because it was uh, so difficult back in the day. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, other question of the week. What is your most insane gaming achievement? Uh, Chemist, I built a cool uh, Minecraft uh, redstone shit, and now I'm towards the end of IT studies. Fully independent thanks to a great job at the age of 21. Jim, I'm a sea level Eve return with memorable asparagus staging plus old uh, super sphere. No docking, refueling, or command seats. Kyle, Turning from uh, fuck Dark Souls to becoming a massive, read fat as hell, uh, fan of the entire series. No gamer score for that. Okay, Jared, what's yours? I don't know. I've been sitting here thinking about it for... Uh, mine is an actual achievement in uh, World of Warcraft. Okay, go for it. What a long, strange trip it's been. For those who don't know, that is getting the holiday achievements. All of them. 
and I got it when it was uh, a lot harder and it required uh, certain ones that, well, let's see, there was one that, uh, oh, and I got uh, this achievement as soon as you could get it within a year because when they released the achievement system, there was a couple weeks, uh, well, they released the achievements, there was a couple weeks, and there was Brewfest, which is essentially their Oktoberfest, then the expansion. And one of the achievements requires a thing from Brewfest, uh, and you had to grind that out, and then you had to get a uh, drink a booze that uh, that uh, thing uh, provided you every month of the year for the year. So, Dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and they would uh, mail you the uh, booze in the month, and it was a limited time uh, thing. So if you had it say your mail for too long, it would go away, and you would break the chain, and you would have to uh, go back to Brewfest, get the brew of the month club again, and then wait for it to cycle around to the one that you missed. I got that achievement in the first year. Nice. And that's not even that's not even the most annoying achievement out of that. Let's see, there was. A PvP achievement where you had to drag uh, your uh, orphan child that you adopt for the week uh, into PvP uh, <laughs> arenas because you know that's safe for children. Yeah, but to be fair, that's not the worst thing I've done to a child in World of Warcraft. Let's just put it this way: uh, oh my. the stable boy. Uh, <laughs> you make that sound a lot sexier. Oh my! Uh, the uh, the. Uh, child that you get uh, at uh, the uh, Northrend uh, uh, tournament. Uh, that's essentially your squire after you uh, complete uh, the opening uh, quest scene, uh, uh, chain. He essentially became my stable boy, and I had, at, uh, when I quit, I would say 70, 80 pets and well over 100 amounts. He was known as the stable slave. <laughs> So I've been sitting here thinking, and I've narrowed it down to three. Um, do I have to pick just one? Because I really can't decide which one of these okay, is the most insane. Okay. So the first one that popped into my head was the Mile High Club achievement from the original Modern Warfare, which was on oh the my. highest difficulty you had to complete this. Like It's like a bonus mission. Like After you beat the game, it's a bonus mission. Um, where that you're inside of a plane and you have to rescue a hostage and like the plane's in flight um, and you bust in but I don't ask me how you get there to where you bust in through like this ventilate like uh, air duct or something a wizard did it but it's on like a 747 so you start on the bottom floor and you have to work your way to the top and on veteran difficulty like one shot kills you and you basically just have to learn it um and like get all the timings right and everything i probably spent 10 hours to get this one 60 second time frame right because that's how long you have on veteran difficulty 60 seconds and i mean you're really pushing to get it done in 60 seconds and i was so ecstatic when i got it um and then like none of my friends could beat it and after i did it once like i could just do it almost every time it was kind of like a light flipped on and i got that achievement for all of my friends because i was the only one who could do it <laughs> uh the uh, the second one that popped into my head was in the original gears of war like i was super good at gears of war like i won several local and regional like mlg tournaments back when that was a thing uh for gears of war 
and I wound up on the leaderboards. Like, you know, it, it had, like, pretty much every multiplayer game does a leaderboard. And I was in uh, on the first page of the leaderboard on a couple of the game modes. Uh, assassination and Execution. I was in the top 100 in Execution, and I was in the top 10 in Assassination for a, a while. Uh, and, like, I would, like, I, I have some pictures somewhere if I can find them, like, really shitty old cell phone photos that I took of my TV, like, to prove to people, <laughs> like, no, like, really, I'm on the top 10 in this leaderboard on this game, like, top 10 in the world. Um, there's somewhere, well, if, if I you ever don't find count them, the hackers. There weren't very many hackers at that time in Gears of War. I think, like, the top, all of the hackers went to, like, the standard, uh, deathmatch mode. And execution. Nobody, like, Assassination, Assassination had a really low player count. Um, so that's probably why I was able to get to the top 10, but I didn't care. I never told anybody that. Like, yeah, I'm top 10 in the world in this game, in this game mode. Uh, so that was cool. I'm and top then, 10 in the, uh, in the game mode nobody plays. Yeah. I mean, it still had a player base, but it was like 10,000 compared to executions. Like, I'm in the top 10. 20, How many people 30, play 000? this? 11? <laughs> uh, if I ever find those pictures, they're probably buried on one of my old hard drives, um, which I'm going to get out to build the server computer. So I might find them. If I do, I'll post them on Twitter. Uh, and then the other one was I beat, uh, or I completed through the fire and flames on expert in Guitar Hero 3. That's and the train. Train, keep it running right on time. Yeah, that's one of the major reasons that I have Carpal Tunnel, is I spent... <laughs> weeks practicing. Here I thought it was all the jacking off. Well, you know, that contributes to. But, um, yeah, all, all the jerking off gave me Carpal Tunnel in my right hand, and then through the Fire and Flames gave me Carpal Tunnel in my left hand. That was that was intense. If only I could ever, could have played real guitar even half that good. <laughs> I actually did try. I really did try to learn how to play real guitar, but I'm super bad at it. Yeah, I hear Bond was just uh, persistence, so... Uh... Uh, there, like I said, there was a couple achievements that were just random chance or ha- having to do something that I normally don't do, like PvP. Because yeah. uh, PvP in WoW sucked, unless you were a particular class. Yeah. But, I mean, those were the first three that really came into my mind, and I could not pick one because I'm super proud of all of those achievements. Or the, uh, well, World of Warcraft was the only time that I really went nuts for achievements. The other one was that I got the fishing title. Which, uh, back when I got it, at most, 52 people on the server could get it, could get it a year, because it required a weekly competition, you had to win it. Nice. And, oh, I got cussed out when I, uh, because I won it my first time, uh, trying it, and whenever you, uh, uh, well, uh, it's fishing and wow. You run around and you have to catch particular fish out of uh, pools that spawn only during that event in uh, Stranglethorn Vale. And then you have to go uh, to Booty Bay and turn them in. And you have a choice of, uh, well, at the time, two items. I think they've up to three now. I went back the next week and I won it again. And people that were there the previous week recognized my name that I was the winner last week. And I got cussed the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, that was the most assault I've ever encountered uh, playing online. The fact that I won it back to back. Nice. 
Well and, done. And the thing is that that competition is the only way. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, last time I checked, it still is the only way to get the best fishing pole in the game. Uh, it's by it's still a few skill points, not many, but enough to make it worthwhile. And, it was, and I thought, you know, I'll try it again, see if I could get lucky. And the fact that I won it back to back is probably that's probably the most insane thing is that not the fact that I won it and got the uh, fishing title before they made the title a lot easier to get. The fact that I won the fishing competition twice in a row. Well done. That's pretty. That's pretty badass. I have to say, good job. You made people and pissed off also, and they cussed you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much for fishing being a chill uh, activity and wow, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this was also before they uh, put in fish tracking, so you could track the uh, pools. Yeah, and that was actually part of the reason why I won it because I would notice uh, people running in one direction, and I'd grab the pools that would spawn behind them. Oh. Uh, I I wish I had the chat log of when I won it the second time. <laughs> and the thing is, that's just the alliance side. I could only imagine what the horde side was saying about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah. A toss up between those two wild humans. So let's see. We do have a couple of tweets. Not much, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, and I've uh, cut down a few of uh, uh, these. Uh, Kyle, uh, another audio letterless week. Hopefully, uh, my work schedule will ease soon. Hope you guys are having a great night. Oh, Kyle, you had two weeks to send something in. Yeah, Kyle. Slacker. And let's see. Chemist also responds. Uh, Hope everything clears up because soon you'll have another podcast to contribute to. Mel's uh, Stray as a Pretzel. Uh, is this what Kerbalcast felt like when we were advertising our stuff on there? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, um, I'm participating see. in both, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, you're cheating on me. <laughs> I see how it is. I'm just not gay enough for you. Wink. And let's see. And Jim also sent us a article, which uh, we could talk about a little bit. Uh, he sent us an article. We all knew uh, the Windows Store is bad, but... Without uh, looking at it, I didn't realize how bad it was. And, uh, yeah, it the Windows Store is atrocious. It's essentially a mixture of Microsoft's version of Steam, which is already bad, and Microsoft's version of Google Play, which is even worse. And it is impossible to find any core games on there. It's If you're using a Windows phone, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, to like the three people in the world that use a Windows phone. There's dozens of us, dozens of uh, 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 the uh, article just basically crosses out all the mobile games and, you know, uh, there's like two or three on each uh, a screenshot. It, it's basically yeah, just what we've already said about the Windows Store. And that's why I didn't put it on the docket and just wanted to bring it up here because, yeah, it's... Uh, it's bad. And Microsoft needs to figure out, do they want to cater to mobile? Or, I guess, technically Windows, because they treat Windows like it's a damn mobile uh, platform. The fact that my desktop computer has an airplane mode tells you something about how they set up Windows 10. Yep. I mean, why does uh, Windows 10 have an airplane mode for a tower? No, don't don't answer that because I have a feeling I'll have an aneurysm if you do. 
But yeah, that's pretty much it for tweets. Light week. Indeed. At least we had the uh, letter to uh, kind of pad things out. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I don't think we're going to be short, but I mean, we would we were okay to be short this week, so. Yeah, so Discovery queue. Yep. We've got enough time for one Discovery queue. Yeah, cue the music. Pull up and, my Discovery queue uh, here. And right off the bat, I have Legend of Heroes, A Trails of the Sky the Third. A uh, pretty uh, popular JRPG, if I recall correctly. Granted, this is the third installment and not the first. I haven't played the first. I don't. I haven't either. But it looks very good. I got uh, a game called Forts oh. right off the bat, uh, which is your very classic... Um, I'm on this side and the other guy's on that side and I have to blow him up with my guns by aiming and all that sort of stuff, but... It's, your it's guns kinda, by aiming? Yeah, aiming my guns and stuff. But it's got a cute aesthetic and it looks like it's got like a little story to worms. it. And, yeah, yeah. Looks good. Okay. Oh, here's something interesting. Little Nightmares. It's my second item on the Discovery queue. I'm going to uh, drop this in uh, and let you look at this because this looks uh, kind of... Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, first thing I thought of was Limbo, actually. Uh, even though it doesn't have the art style, the uh, platformer-esque uh, of it uh, with uh, some sneaking and uh, trying to sneak past things. You can see with the how the camera looks, it definitely reminds me of Limbo on that. But it's a atmospheric stealth uh, platformer or puzzle platformer. Okay, it doesn't look too bad. Granted, I'm not sure about a twenty dollar price tag on this uh, for a yeah you know, an indie puzzle platformer. But it definitely has an interesting art style. It has sort of a. Uh, uh, what would you even call that? Are you looking at this? Uh, no. It, I will. It, nightmares. Yeah, Little Nightmares. It uh, has this, uh, almost a vignette look to it, almost. Uh, you can see how the light hits everything. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to uh, put a word to, or a phrase to, and it's, I'm just not coming up with anything. The art style looks really good. This doesn't look like the type of game that I'd be into. Yeah, I didn't um, think so, but... But it does look really cool. So, I got Strafe. Uh, right. Devolver Digital's new game. It's uh, obviously a, a retro-looking FPS. Um, looks... Okay, honestly, it's hard to tell. The trailers are really all over the place. Lots of cuts and quick flashes and... Oh, there's a girl with big boobs. Okay. Well, and I'd... you're sold. I'm sold on this game. <laughs> well, let's see. I got Legos registered trademark, Star Wars trademark, a three, Clone Wars trademark. Nice. I think I'm going to put Strafe on the list just because I want to actually check it out a little more fully. You know, I've never really spent too much time with a Lego uh, uh, game in general. Oh, I, I love the Lego games. But uh, this is the Clone Wars, which uh, is in between uh, uh, episodes two and three, right? Yeah. Wait, no, Clone Wars. Like, the Clone Wars TV show or uh, Attack of the Clones? Well, they have uh, the scene from uh, uh, episode two on here. Or episode one, so uh, uh, the uh, arena scene. Oh no, that, that would no, be episode two. Yeah, that's episode two. 
So I'm assuming this would uh, fall between episodes two and three then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's the uh, orange chick. The orange chick. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the one with the blue and white hair. Things. Oh, uh... From the TV show. Ah, uh, shoot, what's her name? I know who she is. That, that, that's why I called her the orange chick. I can't think of her name. I never really watched the show. I didn't know they made a Lego Clone Wars. Oh, look, it's uh, suggested to me Halo Wars The Definitive Edition. Nope. Uh, it's suggested Call of Duty World War Two. Nope. What's interesting is going down and seeing what the, uh, you know, why is this relevant to you? Hmm. A lot of these are not, uh, you know, even close. Expeditions Vikings, here we go. Have you uh, seen this one? <laughs> yes, I have. It looks good, but... So I got a game, Wrath of Anna. This looks like a... Oh, God. A, I don't know. It's some kind of first-person shooter. It looks weird. But go down. Why is this relevant to you? <laughs> because you've played games tagged indie. <laughs> oh, that's that seems so like a bad. Stretch, doesn't it? That's so bad. All right. Yeah, it seems like they're uh, yeah stretching. But Expeditions Viking uh, is a uh, well a uh, tactical RPG. It looks very good. I want to pick it up actually. I'm, su- I'm surprised I didn't have it on my wish list. I have a lot of uh, good things on my discovery queue this week. That's some uh, shit things. I've had <laughs> very uh, not good things. Let's see. Why is this relevant to you? Indie adventure story rich. And it's overly uh, rated overly positive. And looking at this, I can't tell you what this is outside of a, a walking simulator. What is it? Uh, what remains of Idrith Finch? Oh, okay. I've seen that game before, but I'm drawing a blank on what it was, actually. I'll have to look that up in a minute. I'm on the last game on my queue. Let's see. Friday the 13th, the game. Oh, nope. I got that one, too. I'm not. I'm also not interested. Oh, boy. Uh, I've uh, seen Total Biscuit do a video on this. Uh, uh, no, but uh, just the name of it. Uh, Immortal Redneck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds uh, stupid. Uh, it's first person uh, roguelite uh, gun uh, uh, no, uh, FPS. Uh, not particularly well done, but not terrible either. Uh, in an Egyptian theme, because yeah, rednecks are Egyptian. Yeah. But that's my discovery queue. I actually had quite a few. Uh, I think What Remains of Edith Finch is supposed to be like uh, Gone Home. Like you're exploring yeah. this place and yeah, I don't think I would enjoy that. I wouldn't mind reviewing it, but I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, but that is my discovery queue. Yep, I'm through mine as well. So I only had a, a couple that actually turned out to be interesting looking. Yeah, I'm looking at Strafe and it is not well reviewed. <laughs> no, it looks odd. Like it's it's. It kind looks of, like it. It looks like it escaped the eighties. Yeah, I would say late eighties, early nineties. Just with how blocky it is, it, it's not even Minecraft blocky. That's the thing, because there's Minecraft blocky where everything is purposely low uh, poly and uh, yo. Know, but then there's this that looks 
not nearly as good. Which, how can you make a low poly game look terrible? I don't. Well, outside of being every Minecraft clone ever. Well, they're saying that like, I mean, it, it wasn't as far as I know, but they're saying like this is the best game that was released in 1996. So I think they're trying to emulate that really, honestly, at this point, shitty uh, graphic style when 3D polygons first started to become mm-hmm. a thing. Um, I will say not I a good do look. like the trailers. The trail, yeah, the trailers look like commercials for video games from the nineties, which I can handle that. Aside from the first wait, trailer, wait, was he holding a frog? Yeah, so I think that's frog. And here I thought Pepe was killed by his creator. Or did you uh, see that uh, going around? No. Yeah, supposedly because Pepe the Frog is uh, turned into a hate uh, symbol, its creator uh, killed it. Because, yeah, a beam can be killed by its creator. <laughs> yeah, that's not how this works. Welcome to the internet, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. Uh, well, I think we're through with the discovery queue, so it's time, uh, it's the time of the podcast where you go first. Indeed it is. So, what's going on for me? Well, a few things. We're making some changes, uh, to the show and to other things. So, uh, the biggest one is that... And we should have had this at the beginning of the show if we're having a lot of changes. Nah. The, the biggest one is that streaming is going to be dropping from two nights a week to one night a week. Uh, I'm going to focus on Friday only. Well, it's going to be 12 hours. Yeah, 12 hours. Uh, we're going to play Desert Bus every week. Um, but no. Uh, uh, but only if we're everyone singing the wheels on the bus. Go round and round. But anyways, <laughs> uh, my, my, new, my new work schedule and everything, um, I- I'm working a lot more evenings. And I need to make sure that I'm able to get the podcast edited in time so that it releases on Friday. Uh, So Wednesday nights is going to be my designated podcast editing time. There may still be random streams throughout the week. I do have more free time overall, but a lot of that is in the middle of the day uh, and in the morning when... So in other words, I'm just going to get a random text from you. Log on now. We're uh, streaming. We're doing it live. But uh, Uh, We can't do that anymore. But... So yeah, remember uh, Bill Raleigh got uh, canned. Fuck it. <laughs> anyway, and, so uh, and now we're Robin Williams' son. Or did you ever listen to that uh, a bit for Robin Williams? I did not. But uh, you need to go back and watch your Robin Williams stand up. Okay, I will. That's Funny your guy. homework. Anyways, uh, so yeah, no, I'm done interrupting you now. We're dropping down streaming no, from no, two knots a week to one night a week. <laughs> And then the podcast from now on is going to start recording at, what did we say, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time? Yeah. Uh, so if you are last minute, folks, your last minute Cow. just got bumped up a little bit. Uh, and this is just because we can. I've I've had to record later um, before just because that's what my schedule is. Oh, look at it this way. Dictated. Uh, since we're uh, most likely going to be recording early. That means that Jared will be more fresh towards the end of the show, so you don't have to listen to me trying to throw things together before Jared falls asleep on me. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Uh, mostly, though, it's because I've got an office in my new house, so we can start recording earlier, and I won't be interrupting anybody doing anything. Mostly Katie, like watching TV or working or whatever, but I can just come in here and close the door. Let the door open tonight, but doesn't matter. Nobody can hear me anyways. I'm on the other end of the house. 
so that's that. That's yeah, especially schedule. if I don't put this podcast up. Yeah. So that's the schedule <laughs> changes that affect everybody. Um, other things that are going on, uh, I was still working my way through my backlog of Divinity. Uh, and then I'm going to start working on quite a few other projects, but I don't know what order I'm going to work on them yet. And I need to do some testing and see which my ideas are good or bad. So all of them, I'm going to, yes, they are all good. Thank you very much. That's how I'm going to choose to interpret <laughs> it, interpret that. Uh, but anyway, so, I mean, there's two oh, or three weeks. When you're delusional. There's two or three weeks of divinity to go through anyways. So that's enough time for me to do some testing and working on some of the stuff. So. Who knows? I'll have more announcements. Uh, if you were paying attention uh, to the end of the show a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I uh, I talked about some of the things that I want to try. So if you oh, remember wow. those things, then you'll remember some of the things I'm going to be testing out. Uh, but that's it for now. Uh, if you want to watch my stuff on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. If you want to watch me stream games, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. That will return this Friday, so if you guys are listening to this on the day the podcast releases, uh, tonight we'll be streaming something. I'll figure it out by then and, and tweet it about it. Uh, and speaking of Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at jma4707, where you can see all the things that I tweet about. Uh, I've been a little bit less political here lately, so if you hate my political tweets, well, you can enjoy a few non-political ones. Uh, and hey, Jared, did you uh, hear about the news that no, the uh, director no, of the FBI uh, got canned? Don't. I already had a bitch fit about that. Not on Twitter. I kept it off of Twitter. I decided not to. Yeah, I was sitting here uh, watching Twitter uh, with my uh, bowl of popcorn, just waiting, waiting, and nothing. I posted several long rants on on Reddit pages, and I, I actually called some people and spoke to them. I was so upset. And I didn't get one. I oh. didn't. I didn't post on Twitter. Didn't post it on Twitter. I, I feel. I feel so left out now. A fucking asshole. <laughs> God. Keep it together. Almost to the end. Anyways, oh, if well, you uh, after our uh, little wind down, uh, you could have your rant then. I guess. No, then I'm gonna go to bed. If well, you want to be my get out of your system now. If you want to be my friend on Steam. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all Steam friend requests. Uh, and so far, everyone's been really cool, and I expect you to be cool, too. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Camelot. Camelot. I like that. That's good. All right. What about you, buddy? What's going on for you? Uh, well, I had a bit of an off week last week, just kind of uh, coasting along. Uh well, I should say two weeks ago, and I was uh, getting back in, uh, in the swing of things last week, where I missed a Sunday sampler, and uh, looking forward to getting Divinity up and running again. I've had a episode just sitting on uh, my YouTube channel for a month now. Yeah. I, I think that's when I uploaded it originally, and I decided to hold it on to it because it, uh, uh, yeah, it was... Both episodes weren't a great place to end things, and we are right at a long talky bit. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Divinity should be returning next week. Uh, I'm still going through Halo. I'm approximately, I would say, a little over halfway through. Uh, well, I could tell you exactly where I am. I just got through the library. Yep. And I had the big reveal that, you know, has uh, been spoiled for me over the years because, you know, it, 
yeah, I'm playing a, a over decade old game at this point. Yeah. And for some reason, Cortana constantly looks surprised. And I also uh, am distracted by the fact that her avatar has a butt crack. Her avatar does have a butt crack. But yeah, slowly uh, getting through Halo. And uh, once I get through it, I have a feeling that I'm going to have a bit of a rant. Because I hate the vehicle sections on that for the most part. Uh, Let's see. RimWorld is still ongoing as well. I'm in the 60s on my episode count. Don't know how I got... uh, stable on this and the thing is that I think the only way my colony could uh, get killed right now which I'm damning myself right now even mentioning this is having uh, a bunch of raiders drop immediately into the uh, behind my defenses and having it where I can't uh, turn on my guns but even then you know I think I'd be able to put up a good fight uh but uh Alpha 17 for RimWorld is in the testing phase, and depending on how dingy uh, it turns out, I may miss a good chunk of Alpha 17, because uh, things are stable, and I need to figure out exactly what I want to do with the series, because I'm at the point where I could uh, research and get a victory condition in probably about five episodes. Maybe ten, depending on uh, how lucky I am on resources. But do I want to give up right now? Because uh, even though it, uh, you know, it is a victory condition, it is still giving up the series. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. Plus, there's other things to do. I could go raiding uh, 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 other colonies. There's that pirate base that's been sitting there the entire time, and uh, and I kind of want to drop in and kind of turn the tables on uh, the pirates that gave me my mortars in the first place. <laughs> See how they feel uh, uh, beyond the receiving end of a mortar shell. But anyway, RimWorld is still ongoing for the most part. Uh, well, we'll see how that turns out. And of course, the Sunday Sampler, well, is uh, planning on uh, a particular game this weekend. I'm uh, going to be doing my testing uh, probably in the next couple days. I haven't really gotten a lot of review copies uh uh, just the last couple of days, but I think it's mostly uh, the pre-E3 lull, just in general. So we'll have to see how things come out in the next few weeks. We have to go into the backlog. I know. Perish the thought. But you can find all that, including this podcast, on Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or if you want to see me tweet occasionally, you can find me over at Gaming with CR on Twitter. And, well, since I didn't mention the email address for the podcast on uh, the Community Corner, you can find us uh, over at BGL Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at bglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming-related topics. If you wish to help uh, pay for this absolute madness, and now that we've returned, I know, uh, yeah, we're back. We're uh, back. You can find... <laughs> There's a sound clip for you, huh? Yep. Uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash VGL podcast if you wish to help uh, pay for the feed. And our feed, uh, now that I mentioned it, is uh, vglpodcast.podbean.com if you wish to get the, uh, the RSS feed or we are on iTunes or Google Play if you wish to use those as well. 
Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work in Computech.com as well as Doobity Doo, which is for our Discovery Q. <laughs> nice rhyme. And as always, you can hear his lovely music roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. Doobly Doo. Bye-bye. <laughs>